0: your grandparents did what hello hi and welcome to your grandparents did what What? it is a parenting history podcast where rachel shines a light on maggie's lack of historical knowledge (laughs) (laughs) thank you thank you for that
1: (laughs) Listen, I'm just doing what
0: all your high school history <laughs> teachers
1: should have done for you. It really was like a big, yeah, there's a big gap there. <laughs> Did you have bad history teachers or you just didn't give a fuck? I
0: literally don't even know that I took a history class.
1: Oh, okay, that's unreasonable. <laughs> I am for sure you took history I was classes. probably too busy like staring at some boy in class. I mean, usually- you Like writing a In high school, I took a world history class, U.S. history class, and a geography class. No, I mean I nothing nothing rings a bell. And also in, in Texas you have to take 2 years of Texas history. <laughs> it's such a Texas <laughs> it thing. Is. In 4th grade and 7th grade. Wait, my favorite like Texas, Texas thing uh-huh. is
0: when we were doing the episode for Safe Sleep and you sent me a photo of s- um, I was like, send me pictures of your baby swaddled, and we'll make a Instagram post. Oh quote. yes, uh-huh. and you sent one to Cameron, like in the hospital. And I'm like, why is there a jar of Juan oh. <laughs> mama in his isolate? And you were like, it's dirt from Texas. So I was like,
1: what? Yes, my best, one of my best friends from home for a baby shower gift, yes. gave it to us, <laughs> I just, so he could still be bored over Texas uh, dirt. <laughs> it was in the hospital with I me know. when I gave birth. My mom was like, where's the dirt? <laughs>
0: I loved it so much. I was like, "Oh, I get it." Y'all in are the hospital real- bag, gotta bring the Yeah. Dirt. I need my charger. I need my nursing pillow. I need my I jelly a, jar of dirt. You know how to bring a pillow with me because I I physically
1: am capable <laughs> of going places without my own pillow. Are,
0: it's like your emotional support pillow?
1: It's literally. <laughs> I, when we were going to Montana a couple summers ago, we were. Leo was like, "You have to pack light," and I was like, "Do you think I have room for my pillow?" <laughs> Mind you, my pillow was a king size pillow, and it is like it's a like meat memory foam. yeah. So it's not like I can roll it up and squish it in the corner. Like, no, Leo was like, it needs its own bag. <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. I was like, mm. but can we? But then when we got to the house that we the first time we stayed I walked around the entire house and felt every single <laughs> pillow in that house till I could find the best one. The best. It was still not great. No, but I I was like literally sold like two pillows from other people's rooms
0: You're like I need these.
1: Um, I should introduce you. This oh is God. Rachel
0: Cornello. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is Maggie Walker. Hi, how's it going? That's great. This is our 10th uh, episode. So, yeah, this is our this is our, the end of our first season. I can't believe right. I know. What have we done? I don't know. <laughs> I feel like I would have to go back and re-listen to these again, again and laugh again, again. I know.
0: I've been kind of listening to them this week. The difference between our first
1: episode and oh, the later ones. I'm, I'm sorry, like sorry, oh, everyone. Should we redo that one? <laughs> no. <laughs> so Bobo. But I'm just I wanna I'd go back and listen when we're like getting ready to do a second season and I be know. like, wow, we've yeah. come so far. It has. Yeah. And it's also been interesting. The second half of the season, it's been like Focused on a series of things. So it's yeah. like almost one continuous thought. Yes. So I'm interested to see when we go back to sort of like a one off yeah. How that translates again in like with experience. Right, right. I'm excited for a second season, actually. I know. Honestly. We say we're gonna take some time off, but will we be able to? We will because we're going to, well, we can't keep our Friday standing date. I know. Be like, this is even eh. something to do every they're, week. I know. They're going to be like, uh, do you really need another podcast meeting <laughs> for you to drink wine and watch Shit's Creek episodes together again? Yes. The answer
0: to yes. that question is yes. Emotionally, yes. Yes, we do. So, um, yeah. So, uh, if you have any ideas for our next season,
1: yes, we got we'd love we to hear. Get, we've gotten two emails from people. <laughs> <Woo-woo>. <laughs> we're very popular.
0: Yeah, send us anything. Nothing is too weird. No. We want to hear what you want to hear about.
1: We've because... gone down some really cool rabbit holes, like just yeah. taking every, every fucking week. This is me.
0: Panic, panic, panic. Yeah. I'm like, there's not enough to talk about. And then panic, panic, panic.
1: <laughs> there's too, too much <laughs> <laughs>
0: every week. Yeah. So if you have a good idea for us, we'd love to hear it because we're kind of just doing what we like, but it would be yeah. interesting to hear if there's anything that you have a good idea on. We're, whether it's we're open
1: to fearless feedback.
0: Focused on but they better be a compliment sandwich <laughs> there. <laughs> okay. So I tell Ryan, I'm like, if you have something to say to me, end it with a positive. So like yes. This, the salad was overdressed. There's not enough croutons, but I love the chop on it. <laughs> I
1: like the size of tomato you've chosen. <laughs> that was us at dinner tonight. <laughs> um, yeah. So we're talking about this week. Parenting and the pandemic. Pandemic parenting. Pandemic. I'm going to, we're going to do a little spice it up here. Yeah. We got some firsthand. We reached out to a few people in our lives um, to get some like firsthand experiences. Yeah. About what they're parenting has been like in this pandemic, because yeah. obviously it's just the two of us in our, literally in our <laughs> echo chamber, down in my basement, There's <laughs> like a yeah. slight echo down here. Yeah. Um, to just like sort of listen to some other people's perspectives and like react to that. Yeah. So we're going to listen to some of those in the middle of our own things. Yep. I'm going to talk just about some pandemics, doesn't necessarily have to do with parenting, but it also like leads us to where we are yeah. today. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to
0: focus primarily on the last pandemic that we had. Well, the big one, the yeah. you know, the flu of 1918, 1919, and yes. 1920. <laughs> it was a long one. Well. Um, and yeah, we'll kind of talk about parenting and that. And um, I think it'll be interesting.
1: And we're just going to see where it goes. Yeah. I feel like we just, these things start to happen, and then like something <laughs> comes out and at the end of the week. I'm always happy with it. <laughs> That's so. exactly how it's been going. Um, do you want to talk about our donation station? Oh, yes. Yeah. So this week, um, we just have one donation station Um, And the charity we chose was Feed the Children. Um, We obviously figured it would probably be a good idea to pick something that's, like, slightly child parenting related. Yeah. Um, And Feed the Children provides food, essentials, education supplies, and disaster relief to those um, across the United States and in 10 other countries around the world. I mean, they're obviously doing a lot of work right now revolving around COVID-19 and relief because there's um, a lot of people that are being pushed into poverty, pushed into bigger and bigger food deserts. I mean – yeah. I know at the beginning of the pandemic, I was like panicking and buying like frozen fruit and um, veggies like a probably yeah. lot of people were, but like in reality, like I right. can get whatever I need, but there are a lot of people that are not able to buy the foods yeah. they need because of money or availability Absolutely. and all that. So yeah.
0: so yeah, we thought this would be a good thing to focus on this week. So if you can, throw a little money their way. Yep. Thank you. Thanks, guys. All right. We should get into our first uh, yes account spot here. Okay. hand account.
2: My name is Laura Williams. I have three children, Alexander who's six, Harrison is four, and our baby Oliver who's 10 months. He was born in May. He's actually very close to Rachel's baby as well in age. Uh, So I wanted to share a little bit on my experience with parenting during the pandemic. So in March of last year, as you all remember, COVID really took a turn for the worst. Everything was an unknown. no one knew what to do, what to say, where to go. I was pregnant and almost due with my son, and they didn't know what would happen to a pregnant person that had covid so what would happen to the baby, what would happen to the mother and there was a it was actually really scary because there were a lot of unknowns. I work in a hospital. I don't do patient care right now, but you know I am in a hospital. And there was talk that I couldn't even be in the hospital because they weren't even sure what would happen. So I actually got taken to, uh to start training at the, at the COVID hotline, which is the call center. And even there, you know, we, uh it, we weren't masking at first. And then all of a sudden the universal masking came out, we were masking. And then it was saying, uh, you know, when you do go into labor, you know, will your spouse be able to be there with you? Will, if you have COVID, will they take your baby for, for a little bit? So that was actually the most stressful part of it all because I didn't know what was going to happen. I, I didn't know what the birth looks like. I didn't know anything. Uh, so you know I was able to work from home for a while which was really nice but there was still that unknown where I I I I remember being like we can't even touch the mail we can't even go outside because we might get it cuz I had this this fear that if I got covid and it, I mean it was a real fear if I got covid then my baby was going to be taken from me and that is the last thing that I wanted So we, you know, put ourselves into a bubble and we were like, okay, we're, we're gonna not get COVID (laughs) because I mean, for obvious reasons, but also for, you know, the sake of the unknown. Now, with all that being said now, okay, we don't have COVID, but now what's going to happen when I do go into labor and have to go into the hospital, who's going to watch our other two children at home, which was also a big question, because at that time, New York City was the hot spot. If you were in New York City, you were considered, you know, positive pretty much. And you had a quarantine and all this stuff. So my mom coming from New York City to watch our kids, we were even scared to even have her come. So we had her come extra early, quarantine at our house and be there for, you know, the baby being born, which it all worked out in the end. But I will say that it was really the most stressful part being in the hospital having the baby that was all fine it was weird that you know no one can come visit the baby no one can visit us we had to wear masks it was just a very weird concept i remember you know in the middle of the night the nurse coming in and and i couldn't find the mask in the bed you know your your pillows blankets you know whatever and you're trying to sleep for that those 5 seconds that you can actually sleep and the nurse is like okay before we do anything, put on your mask. And I was like, I can't find the mask. So, you know, turn on the lights, and now everyone's up. But, you know, it's just like a whole thing. It's just, it just felt so weird. It, nothing felt normal. So, that was the big struggle with the pregnancy aspect. Now, going into the whole. You know, now we have the baby and we're home. It was weird that no one was able to really visit. No one was able to hold our baby. This was very, very weird for us because our other two children, you know, we had everyone over, everyone holding the baby, everyone visiting. We we did trips. And now it went to this area of weird, I don't want to say darkness, but a weird sense that, oh, here, now my friends are visiting, but they have to stand six feet away from us and just look at the baby versus embracing the baby so that felt very weird and still to this day our you know obviously we're seeing more people but oliver which is our the baby he he has stranger anxiety because he's a very smiley happy baby but when someone new comes he looks at them like what who are you and you know we're like no he's usually a smiley baby but he's just not used to being around people which is which is the opposite of our other children when they were the sage they were used to being around people so that has also been really hard and we 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 know he's young and it'll be fine but it's that whole social aspect that they not only him but our other two children have been missing and I haven't even talked about the other two children but you know having to, you know, be virtual. Luckily our daughter was able to be in kindergarten hybrid, but still there's a lot of social aspects that we feel that are lacking. We my husband and I have said that you know, we we're not sure if we can bring them out to a restaurant again because we're not sure if they will remember how to act. <laughs> Little things like that because we just haven't done any of those things. So we were we were saying we have to retrain them <laughs> to uh, be able to go out in public again because that and those are all all things that you know we never thought we would be saying right now or having to do. If uh, if I'm gonna flip it over and say you know what are some positives that came out of this whole thing is, uh, I I was just starting with Oliver. I I had so much time with him that I wouldn't have had before in the hospital. We had extra time with him because no one came to visit. So it was just us and him. And we got to share these really special moments together. We, I was able to get a, an extended maternity leave because things at work were so unknown and I had the extra time. So I was able to take it. I never would have been able to do something like that before. So I got to extend my summer with my kids, which is, Amazing that it was unheard of before, you know, so the fact that I got to do that, the fact that and I I know this is going to sound crazy, but, you know, I even though it was crazy being home with them all the time, I never would have been able to have that experience before with them. I never would have been able to experience what it is like to be a kindergarten, kinder, kindergartner on Zoom trying to learn you know how to read how to write i i wouldn't have i wouldn't have known firsthand what all that was like i i wouldn't have been able to have all that time this summer with our son harry who you know is trying to learn how to swim how to you know ride a balance bike ride a scooter you know I wasn't working. I was just home with them. We were able to do all these fun things outside. We have luckily have a a yard that we were able to do gardening and, uh, you know, just spend time as a family. So I will always cherish those times, even though, you know, days, some days were extremely long. Some days were extremely hard because, you know, you're trying to, you, you just have, you know, nothing else was going on outside of our home you couldn't really go anywhere and do anything so it was a scary place but you know we all got to be together as a family and that was the the most important thing and the part that i will cherish the most
3: wow oh my god
2: laura this is the best
0: idea
1: we've ever had thank you so
0: much for sharing that experience we
1: literally just sat here and we laughed and we cried and we laughed some more and we cried a little bit more (laughs)
0: I was literally talking back at you. I was like, well, what did you do next? <laughs> Who came to watch the kids? What did you do?
1: You brought up some things that I had Rachel forgot. about. Yeah. Like, we're just... Trauma <laughs> blackout. Yes. <laughs> yeah, like, I, for- I mean, you guys both went through... Yes, Oliver is literally three days younger than yes. Colin. Like, we were like... Maybe we could be in the hospital at the same time, so we could see each other. Yeah. Like that's where we were. You think they were gonna point. let you see each other? No, I <laughs> didn't. I didn't leave that room the entire. Right. I mean, Leo like went out. I think he went out to go get food. And that was it. Yeah, but they literally. I think the morning we left, they came in to have the baby. Wait, no, no, the next week. If they're three days apart and you stay, yeah, have but like I two think he came. Like a day. I think he. I think they came in on the fourteenth. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So, I, I, if I remember correctly, either it was the next morning or, like, we were shits yeah. passing the night. I, it's hard to – these things just leave me as <laughs> they come is to that, me. Time is not the- So, we just wanted to do a little, like, reaction to some wow. of the stuff she talked about. Because even though Laura and I, like, we have this, like, almost exact same path. Like, her, talking about – I don't think we've talked about this exactly. When I mean, I've said he was born two months into the pandemic and we didn't really see anybody, whatever. But that fear that got brought up again, like, that – it's been really triggering for you to yes. listen to a little bit. Because I remember yes. like
0: when she said like we couldn't even touch the mail. Like I remember a, that a, feeling a, for you. And being,
1: I was so, so terrified. Yeah, that thing of like, is my partner going to be able to be in the hospital room? Like how am I going to do this? Like, okay. You know, originally the plan was my mom was going to come. Yeah. And we were, you know, trying to decide either was she was going to come for the labor or she was going to come a little later. But like my mom was in the hospital room when Cameron was born. And I would have been happy to have her do it again. I think we were talking about her coming like after Leo was done with his leave, mm-hmm. so we could have a little extended time. But like, still, you know. And then we're going to like, oh, is my husband even literally going to be able to be in this room with me while I deliver our fucking baby? Yeah. And then the idea of like the COVID thing, like I feel like I blocked that out. That like, if I got COVID, like they potentially were talking. They at that point they did separate we're babies. babies. Yeah
0: i mean i remember weeks. for two weeks before your due date i literally we, we were like go. we're not leaving the house like not even like two cameron w- didn't come over our house well, no but we didn't see you i, I didn't see you for 109 I, days I yes what was it 110
1: one day because i think it was like very serendipitous we stopped on the mountains and we stood in the kitchen and we and hugged we and we cried, cried. <laughs> oh, this may surprise you but <laughs> but, but i mean yeah we didn't see each other i think we no we went and sat, i sat in your driveway yeah. A couple times. And the kids, remember, we literally drew a line down the driveway and they were like, You have to stay on this line and you have to stay on this side. I have a vivid memory of you pulling up to drop something off at my house
0: or something. And yes. you were pregnant.
1: And it was like a week or so before
0: and I, was I made like, you yes. get out of the car. I was like, I want to look at you yes. again. Oh my god, I'm gonna cry. <laughs> I was like, I just want to see you pregnant one more time because I don't think I'll see you again. Yeah. And I didn't. For, like, three months until you, like, he was six weeks old when I first, like, saw you guys. Like, yeah.
1: And we went to mountains. Yeah. That was the first time. Ugh. I know. And you, you wrote, it down, <laughs> you wrote it down when the camera was all. I remember you saying, like, I know. I'm going to smell the shit out of that I fucking know. baby's head. And
0: then you're like, "No." Yeah. All I wanted to do was hold Colin when he was, like, a wet, like, yes. like, a little baby chicken. And I yes. didn't get to see him. So, yeah, hearing Laura talk about that was just very, like, brought back all those memories. And then for- I feel
1: like, like, Laura and I had talked, we were so... We still are. I mean, this is not the end of this, obviously, but we are right. so excited to have kids that are basically twins. I know. It all, and yeah. we have seen her one time this entire year, last summer, in her backyard. Yeah. That I was know. it. Yeah. And, you know, we're, like, coming around now to, like, basically, Laura's, like, put a date on the calendar of when I'm fully vaccinated, when she's fully <laughs>
0: vaccinated, we can do it again. But, yeah. I mean, it's, it's just such a bizarre... It is. It was such a bizarre experience, and you were both robbed of so much. Yes. And like Laura did a wonderful job of kind of being like, look, there was a lot of positives. Like, yes, you have had so much
1: TLC time with 100%. your babies. Yes. And- Colin got the first baby experience he on did. the second baby. <laughs> like Which his is- whole summer would have been like, in the tula, in yep. the stroller, going from place to place, like Cameron was going to be in, in Cam, the car, 100%, yeah. going to all these places, like trying to find shade, at, like sister cities, something, yep. so that he can like just your boob. He'd have been like, and meanwhile, but instead, you were like, I haven't even seen your boob all year because <laughs> all he does is go in his room yeah. in the dark with the. I shade I've the been sleep. robbed
0: of seeing your breastfeeding. <laughs> It's out all the
1: time. <laughs> you know,
0: I know. Well, because, like, that was what I was expecting. Like, yes. you know, Rachel's sitting in a park having yep. a breastfeeder baby. That's what I was expecting. But instead, it's like, okay, he's had, like you yep. said, like the first baby experience. Yes. Which is, like, in some way really special. Yes. So I think I think our brains and our, you know, I think as a – me, personally, I'm always an optimist. Like, I think I'll remember, kind of like what Laura said, like, I will cherish these moments. Yeah, the time. When we look back on them. But I think well, when this you really – also
1: – Emerson and Cameron are going to be in kindergarten next year. Yeah. And, like, it is – there are days that are, like Laura said, really long and really hard. Yeah. But (laughs) – It is stolen time. I mean, we weren't going to have this time with them. They're
0: going to be gone. They're going to be gone before Uh. we know it. Uh, Rachel. (laughs) Should we have a trigger warning on this episode? (laughs) Get the Kleenex out. We're all going to cry. But – Yeah, I mean, it's true. I thought about that. And, like, Laura said, like, she didn't – you know, now she's seeing, like, how kindergarten is going through Zoom. And, like, I seriously want to add, like, first grade teacher to my resume. (laughs) because uh, <laughs> i am there yeah. and i'm like listening to the entire lessons you know our, luckily ben's teacher you know he's been doing full and virtual this whole year yeah. um and his teacher does a fair amount of live instruction and like independent work so they're not just like staring at a screen yeah. all day which is good yes breaks up the day it breaks up the day but with first graders i mean that independent time i.e me now i have to step in and be like okay what yes, are we doing now? You have to guide them. Up. Yeah, so like yeah, it, they're I, not ninth graders. Exactly. So I find I really have to pay attention to what she's saying because as soon as she says, "Okay, guys, you have 15 minutes yeah. to do this thing," like if they're sitting there picking their noses and then they're like, <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. So and that happens quite a bit. So like I really feel like I'm in like the grit here with his first grade teacher. Yeah, and I mean that's an experience. I mean with kindergarten, I. I don't really know what the hell happened. I would say, what'd you do today? And you would be like, oh, uh, I don't know. Yes. <laughs> but now I'm like part of yes. the, part of the grind. And that's an experience I'd never yeah. thought in a million years I'd get to
1: have. And I mean, I do hope with the more distance we have, the more we can sort of cherish those. It's really hard in, in the swamp of it all for sure, to cherish those. But I am hoping that next year, that day, you know, after we drop the kids off and like go hug each other, hopefully. I want to go to La alone. Oh I my know. God, I haven't been to La Colombe It's so I think if long. I could
0: like choose a superpower, it would be to be able to have those like rosy memories yeah. feeling in the moment. Because I feel like that yeah. would be
1: like, I think make parenting perfect. Have you ever heard of those like, like, it's like words in other languages that like, like it's like being wistful for the moment while you're still in it. There's yes. some word. I've I'll never heard of it. that. But- but look, I'll have to find it. We'll fact check it. Oh <laughs>
4: no. <laughs> we won't have
1: it, maybe I'll find it. We can do a fact
0: check at the end. But um, yeah,
1: I, I, that would feel
0: like just like a superhero moment. Yes. Like that, mm, to be able to yeah. experience it with that kind of retrospective, yeah. you know, rosy feeling about it, I think yeah. would be so great because this pandemic has fucking sucked. But <laughs> yeah. I know I'll look back on it and be like, oh, those were good times. Yeah.
1: Well, wow. There were good times. Let's leave it <laughs> at that. They were peppered in there. <laughs> so, wow. Thanks, Laura. Thank we, you, Laura, oh so much. Oh, my God. Truly. All right. Welcome back. Okay. So I'm this really, like I said, truly doesn't have anything to do with parenting, but I feel like we're talking about pandemics and it's sort of honestly reading through these pandemics this week, I was like, oh, COVID, pretty great. <laughs> All things considered. Truly. <laughs> really, and we will get there. I know. So um, I found this quote that I really loved and I actually am going to source it. Okay. Wow. Like,
0: okay. 10 episodes in, Rachel's going to give us the source. One. <laughs> <laughs> A source. A source.
1: So um, this is from the Be- Brief History of Pandemics, Pandemics Throughout History, by uh, Demir Oh, God, this poor person's name. <laughs> uh, Hugh Morovic. So, uh, quote, in a long succession throughout history, pandemic outbreaks have decimated societies, determined outcomes of wars, wiped out entire populations, but also paradoxically cleared the way for innovations and advances in science, including medicine and public health, economy, and political systems. Huh. So, see yeah. like, this is, like, we're getting this, like, long lens scope on, like, how these things change the world, but we don't know yet- How it's gonna be. No. yeah, And like, that's part of what makes me anxious is is not knowing what the outcome of all this is gonna be. Like, we're not gonna go back to exactly the same because we're not gonna be able to, but- You're giving the best foreshadow for something I'm gonna talk about right now. okay, (laughs) well, unknowingly, we're on the same page. So, I'm gonna start way back. Yes. At the plague of Athens. Okay. so. Um, this was from 429 to 426 BCE. So we're going back like 2,500 years. Wow. Yes. I was about to say 1,000 and I was like, nope, yep, that's wrong. <laughs> 2,500. So, um, this was in the Eastern, uh, Mediterranean, but it was particularly devastating to the city state of Athens. The death toll was 75,000 to 100,000. And then it overcrowded Athens. It killed an estimate of 25% of the population. Oh my God. Yes. So. Um, they are actually not sure what it was Oh, because there's not like good descriptions necessarily. I mean, there's like descriptions of what it is, but they don't, some things have very specific disease paths and some things like can be lots of things. And also like we have unreliable narrators. Yeah. So the theories are that it was typhus, typhoid fever, or a viral hemorrhagic fever, Mm. but they think that it was probably typhus. Um, because epidemic typhus is spread from uh, spread to people through contact with infected body lice, which can come mm. from like overcrowding, Mm-mm. filth, like all those things, yeah. which in like a tight space in the city. Yeah. That makes so, sense. Yeah. Um, and in January nineteen ninety nine, the University of Maryland concluded the disease was typhus. Mm. Um, I mean, this is their conclusion. This is not the conclusion. Was able to like dig up bodies and like So they said epidemic typhus fever is the best explanation. It's hardest in times of war, and it's it's hard in times of war, which is like what was happening in Mm. that moment. And it has about twenty percent mortality, which makes sense. Yeah, Um, it kills the victim after about seven days, and sometimes causes a shrinking, striking complication, gangrene of the tips of the fingers and toes. The Mm. plagues of Athens had all of these features. Gotcha okay so there were there were contemporary descriptions of it yeah um but that's basically so um in typhus cases progressive dehydration dilapidation debilitation, and cardiovascular collapse ultimately caused the patient's death. Mm-hmm. So, like, I guess all those things with it, fixed yeah. with it. The shoe fits. You yes. Know? And the effects of this um, are that ultimately it led to the fall of Athens, to Sparta, mm. which is sort of, like, the height. When you think of, like, ancient Greece, you think of, like, philosophers and all that. Like, that is Athenian yes. society. This, like, thinking society. um all of that, Sparta and those other states are more warish. But so yeah. it's like when you when you think of what ancient Greece is, Athens is what you yes. are thinking of. Truly, yeah. So this is sort of the beginning of the fall yeah. of all of that. Interesting. I never knew that. Yes. Um. And it was yeah the end of what we think of as ancient Greece is what I wrote next, and wow. I just said it. so that is sort of that. Um. The next one I picked up was the Antonin plague, and the dates from this were. Um, one sixty-five to one eighty C, which for whatever reason, reading a date of one sixty-five makes my brain like, <laughs> you know me, I'm a <laughs> major yes. history buff. So like nineteen hundred years ago, this is it's, yeah. But that plague lasted for how long? Twenty years? Fifteen? Yeah. Jesus. So um, the locations of this were in Asia Minor, Egypt, Greece, and Italy. It was brought to the Roman Empire. It was oh no, it was brought to the Roman Empire, um, by troops. Returning from campaigns in the Near East, which is like yeah, which is like you know Egypt and and uh, Turkey and stuff. So the death toll for this, we're jumping up quite a bit, is um five to ten million people. Oh wow, it killed as much as one third of the population in some Holy areas. Shit. Yes. God damn. So what? What? What was it? Also unknown. <laughs> Um, scholars have suspected that it would be either smallpox or measles, but it was most likely smallpox.
0: Wow. Um,
1: the Greek yeah, physician.
0: measles. Mm. Yeah. That's a lot of, one in three is a lot of people to die from measles. Yes.
1: So, um, the Greek physician and writer Galen described the plague as great and of long duration, mentioned fever, diarrhea, and pharyngitis, as well as skin eruption, sometimes dry and sometimes pustular that appeared in the ninth day of illness. Um, so the effects of this are the e- epidemic contributed to the end of the Pax Romana, which is when Rome was at the height of its power. Okay. Um, and after, and like peaceful power, like not so much like emperors doing horrible stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and after 180 CE, instability grew throughout the Roman Empire as it experienced more civil wars and invasions by, quote, barbarian groups. Um, and Christianity became increasingly popular at the time after the plague occurred. Okay. So, this is like we're seeing the beginning of the rise of Christianity.
0: I see.
1: So, that is that effect. The next plague is the Cyprian plague. Hmm. And this is from 249 to 271 <laughs> CE. I know you're these dates. I agree. When I'm reading them, I'm like, what? <laughs> Doesn't seem real. No. Um, so the location is it started in Ethiopia and reached Rome and um and other Mediterranean cities the following year, eventually spreading deep into the Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. Um, The death toll, I could not get a clear number, but it said at the height, it killed around 5,000 people a day in Rome alone. Holy shit. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. This is like high death tolls. Yeah. Crazy.
0: 5,000 a day. A day. In Rome. Just in Rome. In Rome.
1: Wow. Okay. It's intense. Um, so what was it? Unknown. Unknown. (laughs) Gosh. Uh, The illness was highly contagious, transmitted by both direct and indirect contacts. Um, The likely culprits were either a viral hemorrhagic fever or smallpox. Mm -hmm. Um, The hemorrhagic form of the disease of smallpox uh, might also account for some of the features described by Cyprian, who the plague is named after. Um, whatever it was, this and the Antonine plague were very likely novel diseases, considering mm. how deadly they were. So this is the thing that I noticed about this um is when they're talking about this, like this is they're probably like this is some zoonotic disease, mm-hmm. these last two that jumped. But yeah. we're also talking about times of great expansion and great travel, yeah, which is something we're dealing with now. now. Yeah. So we're like going into habitats we weren't in before, and coming in contact. Yep. And then spreading. It's not just like this one village in England where all these people got sick and died and they don't go anywhere. Like right. the Roman troops were traveling all over yeah. Europe, Middle East, the Near East, uh, like um, Northern Africa, yeah. all of that. Okay. So the effects of this plague were um, the plague caused widespread shortages for food and production um, and the Roman army severely weakening the empire. And in this plague, Christians played an active role in caring for the ill as well as providing care for the burial of the dead. The Christians who died from this illness claimed martyrdom while offering non-believers to convert to the possibility of the rewards of a Christian afterlife. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, this episode not only strengthened but helped spread Christianity throughout the furthest reaches of the empire in the Mediterranean world. Okay. So this, without this plague... We may not have widespread Christianity. Yeah. Because basically so the Christians were willing, like they saw it as they were like opportunistic in sort this. of. And they were like, they basically are like, my life exists not on this plane, but on another. So like um evangelicizing, whatever that is. That's not how you say that word. But um to people, even if it means my own death, is still the ultimate goal. Right. So while Romans were like busy trying to escape it, these Christians were like, well, I'm going to fuck if I die. Yeah. If I can convert these people to Christianity. And then those Romans were like, hey, they're the only people taking care of us. Maybe they know what's what.
0: Yeah. 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 Ooh, you know what I mean? Wow. So Deep. Yes. So wow. without I'm, that. What the fuck have yes. we uncovered
1: this week? <laughs> so Christianity origin story. Here. Yes. So the next plague I'm going to talk about is the Justinian plague. P.S. I've
0: not heard of any of these
1: plagues. Um, I had not either, honestly. The only... When I get to like... Like probably more. Yeah. yeah. Okay, keep going. I had not heard of it either. Um, So this was... The height was from um 541 to 549 CE, but it continued to reoccur into the middle of the 8th century. So Jeez. for 200 years. Oh my God. Yes. So uh, the location of this, the plague may have originated in China or India. Um, and by... 541 had moved through Egypt via trade routes and by 542 cases were seen as far north as England. Huh. So the death toll in on this one 25 million. Oh my god. And over the next 200 years this would climb up to a po- uh, to a possible 100 million people. Holy shit. 25 to 60% of the population of Europe died because of this. Oh my god. Yes. Um, some, some estimates suggest that up to 10% of the world's population died because Jesus. Of this. not like, not that it necessarily spread to all those places, but there's so many people in Europe yeah, and yeah. like Northern Africa and stuff that died from it. 10% yes. of the world population. Wait, are you going to tell me what the disease I, was? This, okay. we finally <laughs> can tell it. This is a bubonic plague.
0: And the <gasps> oh. reason you can tell this is
1: because the bubos are so distinct. Yes. There is no other like, yeah, sort yeah, of, yeah. it could be this or that. Gosh, so um, I'm pretty
0: sure that this podcast will kill you. Did a they did on the a really good, pic- oh, it's so much better good. than what
1: I'm telling you here. Fully. There was so much information.
0: Yeah, it's a really good plague to learn yes. about if you're interested.
1: I um, mean, just in general, that podcast, a plus. Yes. We love you. <laughs> <laughs> Have us be your friends, yeah, Aaron and Aaron, <laughs> Aaron and Aaron. Please give us a gift spot. <laughs> yes. So um, the bubonic plague is spread me- spread mainly through infected fleas from small animals. So yes. you know, it's the same thing, like chronic yeah. conditions, coming in contact with animals, etc. So, the effects from this plague were the Byzantine Empire, which was the eastern half of the Roman Empire, which survived longer than, like, the rest of the Roman Empire, Mm -hmm. um, was ravaged by this plague, and it marked the start of its decline. Um, And the three plague pandemics, of which this is the first, are considered among the most fatal biological events in human history. Wow. So... This is leading us into the Middle Ages. So we're moving out of a period of like enlightenment and discussion and thoughtfulness, whatever. I mean, there are problematic things that are happening in all those places. But this is the beginning of the Middle Ages. Wow.
0: It's so crazy how like pandemics have truly
1: shaped. So this is why like I was like, wait, this does not necessarily have to do with parenting. But like it shaped our world. These things that happened 2,500 years ago have changed the course of our history. Absolutely. And, and I so, never have thought about that until so this literal what,
0: moment. That's what I'm saying. So what is the. What is the trajectory now yes, going to be? Like the changes totally. from
1: COVID. Yes. Wow. That's so intense. It is. You did not realize you were getting this history lesson. For Absolutely me not. No. I think no. I could be a history teacher. I think maybe. Oh, for sure. You're my, it's <laughs> <is> like private <laughs> tutoring for me. And my rate is very high. <laughs> you have to pay me in wine. I know. And <laughs> All right, cool, I got you. So we're gonna get into something you've actually heard of now, okay? All right, let's hear it. Gonna take a sip of wine to get the- Cleanse the palate, let's go. so we're gonna go into the Black Death. Okay, so I know you have heard of the Black Death. of course. So the dates of Black Death are 1346 to 1353. Okay. And this originated either in Central Asia or East Asia, but its first definitive appearance is in Crimea in 1347. Okay. From there, it was carried by fleas living on black rats that traveled on merchant ships, spreading throughout the Mediterranean and reaching Africa, uh, Western Asia, and the rest of Europe.
0: Wait, time out. Yes. Like, fuck
1: fleas. Yes, fuck fleas.
0: Like, can we not get rid of them? No.
1: <laughs> Seems I, like I, they have been a problem in yeah, all. Then of and this. mosquitoes, but yeah. we, is very hard to get rid of those things. <laughs> They've been trying for like a super long time. Okay. Sorry, yes. I, di- I digress. That's okay. <laughs> um, so, the death toll from this was 75 to 200 million holy shit Mm -hmm. it's estimated to have killed 30 to 60 percent of europe's population Mm -hmm. and is the most fatal pandemic recorded in human history 30 to 60 percent yeah and this is i mean you talked about 100 billion in the last month but that was over 200 years i mean it was 25 million to start but this is over a course of not even 10 years wow they're killing that many people i mean can you even fucking imagine what it would be like to live through that I no, mean, no, I cannot. I can't. I can't cope with this, and I'm
0: just like in my house watching Netflix all the time. <laughs> that thought has come across my mind almost daily
1: during the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> so you're like, I am not cut out for, I am more, not than cut this. Out for more than this. <laughs> so, what it was, which you know what it is. Yeah, it's a bubonic plague. Yeah. Um, but there are three types of plague that um result in the route of infection. So there's bubonic plague, which is the swelling of the, like the lymph nodes, um, which is actually the least deadly form. Hmm. There's septicemic plague, which is in Mm -hmm, your blood, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and there's pneumonic plague, which is in your lungs. Lungs, And that is, if I remember correctly, is like a 90% fatality. Yeah, you're going to die. Yeah, more or less. Pretty much. Um, So the pneumonic form may occur following an initial bubonic or septicemic plague infection. So just because you have one doesn't mean it's like a a secondary infection. Yes. And the result of breathing in airborne droplets from another person or animal infected with this pneumonic plague basically is what causes you to get it. And it's like a death certificate. Yeah. And yeah. that's how it spreads so far, so, fast, wide. So, yeah. Um, and the bubonic plague spreads very quickly.
0: Yeah.
1: So um, the strain of bubonic plague does not appear, the strain of bubonic plague does not appear to be a direct descendant of the Justinian plague.
0: Hmm. Like you would
1: assume. Yeah. It I mean, would It has be... some distant ancestor, but it is a different, it's like a cousin strain. Yeah. Okay. So what was believed at the time to have caused it? Oh yeah. Okay, nice. this is we This is the stuff. This is when we're actually like getting is into weird some good shit. stuff. Yeah. So the pra- the plague was attributed to any and all of the following: corrupted air and water, which is pretty yeah, standard, of course. Hot and humid southerly winds. Okay. Proximity of swamps. Okay. Lack of purifying sunshine. <laughs> excrement and other filth. I mean, it's not yeah. helping. Yeah, those things are <laughs> all
0: not good to be around. Uh, no.
1: uh putrid decomposition of dead bodies.
0: <laughs> I mean, yes. I mean, there were. They were probably just like piling up on the street,
1: literally, Maggie. Oh. They were like sealing people in their homes and oh being like, God. "Go with God, see you later." Oh. Excessive indulgence in foods, particularly fruits. I mean, really? No, I mean they're like fruits. I don't think How people, people like fruit fruits survive.
0: <laughs> Have we been eating?
1: Like and that? then, of course, God's wrath, punishment right. for sins. Yeah,
0: you've been a bad person. Or
1: the alignment of stars and planets. <laughs> Mars is like really, it's like people it's like, who are like, y'all Earthlings. like, my house is in Saturn or whatever fucking people say. Yeah. So um, there is, I got a whole bunch of treatments here for you because I knew you'd want this. This is what I want to know. Yes. This is what you want to know. So treatments, some of the cures they tried to uh, included, a healthy chicken had its back and rear plucked clean and then applied to the swollen nodes of the sick person and strapped in place. A live chicken. A live chicken. <laughs> When the chicken showed signs of illness, it was thought to be drawing the disease from the person. how long did it have to stay there for? It was removed, washed, and strapped back on, and this continued until the chicken or the patient died. Oh, my God. (laughs) You just led me right into each bullet point. (laughs) Dude. Yes. That's so fucking weird. If that didn't work. You could go ahead. Which it would clearly not work. <laughs> it don't work, bitch. It's <laughs> not it. It is not it. You could find and kill a snake, chop it to pieces, and rub the various parts over the swollen boobos, which <laughs> the snake, synonymous in Europe with Satan, was thought to draw the disease out of the body as evil would be drawn to evil. Okay. Makes perfect I sense. I mean, in a poem, sure, yes. but not um, in real life. A powder made of ground-up horn of unicorn mixed with water. Wait, wait! There's unicorns no, back there's there was unicorns. There's not unicorns. <laughs> I have to isn't tell Emerson, is not that I know? Isn't that like um? I feel like there's like you know people are like I can't um things I found out as like an adult <laughs> yeah. that
0: unicorns didn't exist. I mean, they clearly were grinding up the horns of something. Something.
1: Um, if you were rich, you could also eat or drink a small quantity of crushed emeralds. <laughs> like but if
0: the, you were yeah. like the stone, yes, the gem,
1: yes.
2: <laughs> if you but were if rich. you were not
1: rich. You could you could consume um, arsenic or mercury. Oh my god! I mean, honestly, I'd probably rather die from arsenic poisoning than the bubonic Seriously. plague. Seriously,
0: mercury so. makes you. Is it mercury that makes you glow?
1: No, that's um, radium. Radium. Yes. yes. Sorry. My Sorry. Bad. Um So one of the best known potions was Four thieves' vinegar. Okay. And this is a combination of cider, vinegar, or wine with spices such as sage, clove, rosemary, and wormwood, among other things. Interesting. Um, it allegedly was created and used by four thieves who were able to rob the homes of the dying and the graves of the dead because the drink made them immune from the plague, uh, which definitely it did not. So is this
0: where we get, like, thieves' oil? Yes.
1: Oh, this is where it's from. Oh, interesting. Yes. Yes, because they would, they would put that on them and they would rob people. Yes, while well, they were, like, actively dying from the plague in their homes. And now Young Living is like, hi, come yes. sell our oils.
0: <laughs> You're a business owner. Hey, boss beauty, babe. <laughs> hey, girl. What have you been doing <laughs> since high school? Yes.
1: <laughs> Sorry. I haven't talked to you since. Um, <laughs> so people who believed God, uh, people who believed in God uh, thought that they were punishing you for your sin, and flagellants went on processions whipping themselves. Hmm. Basically because they were, like, sinful, and there was a lot of, like, literally, you ever heard, like, self-flagellation? No. You ever heard the term like so when you're like being like beating yourself up a lot? Okay. And you're self-flagellating. Yes. This is literally where it comes from, is people being like whipping themselves on the back as they walked around to be like, I'm a bad person.
0: Oh my god. To try to on. get rid
1: of their plague. We'll try to get rid of like the sin that is causing yeah, this. Jesus. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, if I saw this kind of thing, I might be like, maybe there is a God. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know? I mean, it's better than just like nothing, I guess. <laughs> yeah.
1: So um, they also might have carried bouquets of flowers held to their faces. Um, this was to ward off the smell of decomposing bodies and because it was thought to fumigate their lungs. And I'm this sorry. is where ring around the Rosie comes from. Oh, I didn't mean to interrupt you. It's such a okay. good part. But no. like it just, it must've been so stinky in the past. Oh, this is so, okay. Actually, this is so funny. When I was writing this, I was thinking, how bad did these bodies have to smell? Because sh- like there was literally like shit in the streets. Yeah, like it was just basement baseline filth. smelly. So... How bad did it have to smell for people to be like, I think I need extra things. <laughs> that's what I mean. Yes. Like, woof. So. Are, I am yes. lucky to have been born. I had the same thought when I was typing that out. Yeah. No, just. it just must
0: have been so stinky. Very
1: stinky. Okay. Keep going. Okay. Ring around the rosy. Huh? Ring around the rosy. This is where, that's ring around the rosy. Pocket full of posies. Yeah. Ashes, ashes. We all, all fall, fall dead. We all fall down. Dead. Isn't, like, all nursery rhymes are, like, kind of, like, morose or, like, yes, very racist or, yeah. like, just ultimately not been. good? <laughs> so, like, that's why you should just think Baby Shark.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, the effects. So, the devastation of the Black Pig resulted in a shift of the worldview of the people in the 14th century Italy and led to the Renaissance. Italy was badly hit by the pandemic. And it has been theorized that the resulting familiarity with death caused thinkers to focus more on earthly life rather than on spirituality and the afterlife. Because like I said, those Christians were so focused on like, my life here doesn't matter. I have to be good enough to get to heaven. So going into the first plague, we're we're going into this sort of like feudal lifestyle, very Mm, pious, very like, it doesn't matter what's happening here. I have to get into heaven. And then we're moving out of this plague. We're like, wait, but they're like, I should enjoy what's happening here because I don't know when I'm going to yeah. fucking die in the street. Right. Yeah. Anything could happen. And totally. So um, due to a steep decline in population, the value of the working class increased, which is also like, they got rid of like feudal systems of um, like all, one Lord holding on this land and like you're having to pay rents and like making no money. But there was now availability, like the upper class lost a lot of their wealth, but the lower and middle classes,
0: they got a little, yeah, moving on up. Yep.
1: yep. Um and some historians believe that due to the large reduction in the amount of people using resources, the land was freed up and it caused reforestation and this may have led to a little ice age. It like cooled the entire planet.
3: Wow. Yeah.
1: Crazy. That is really interesting. That's my little tiny bit on the black bag. There is so much that I was like, oh, I'm trying sure. to get through like a, just a piecemeal <laughs> bit of it. Yeah. Um, so the last pandemic I'm going to talk about is the cholera pandemics. It's actually a series of seven cholera pandemics Ugh. that would appear from 1817 to 1961. Okay. Okay. So, um, they originated in India, but literally would spread throughout the world. And this is actually the first truly global pandemic. Okay. Because a lot of these other, like, yes, there was, like, trade routes through Asia and Europe, but, like, getting to the Americas or even, like, necessarily into sub-Saharan Africa. Right. Like, was different. They were more, like, maybe endemics at certain areas. Yeah. Like, they would call them, well, they called them pandemics because it did cross a broad range, but it wasn't a global pandemic. It was, like, maybe European and Asian or North African, all of those. But this has traveled in these cholera pandemics, it, there is not one part of the world it did not touch. Gotcha. Okay. So um, the death toll was in the tens of millions. Um, in India alone, there is an estimated 38 million deaths from cholera during this time. Holy shit. Over this 150 years.
0: 38 million? Mm-hmm.
1: Wow. In India. In India. It was over 150 years, but yes. It's a lot of people from in one country. I mean, I get India country. is a popular, it's not like very popular. You know, yeah. It's not a small country, but. Right. So obviously, what was it? It was cholera. Wow. And cholera is spread through feces, infested I was water, say, and cholera food. Cholera is a diarrhea one, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. Yes. So extreme diarrhea, sharp, sharp muscle cramps, vomiting, vomiting, and fever, and then death. And that can all transpire within twelve to forty-eight hours. Oh my god! It gives so it you, was so severe. Yes. You just I And mean, I read somewhere that it, it made you so dehydrated that your blood would thicken. Yeah. Just any like, any liquid in your body would just, just be gone. Just anything.
0: Ugh, God, what a way to go. Yes,
1: not great. Ow. Um, so what was believed to have caused it? Um, some sort of righteous co- um consequence, same sort of thing, God. But um their proof of this, cholera was most often affected those persons who lived in, quote, desolute, alcoholic, drug related, sexually excessive, and filth ridden lives. Ugh. So call quote, cholera was the scourge uh not of mankind, but of the sinner. So this is also a way of, like, othering people, I think, yeah. on some level. But also, like, if it's from contaminated food or water, it's the same thing. Like, if you're living in close quarters, right. you're more likely to get it. Right. So instead of saying, like, oh, it's because all of these poor people are sharing the same water source and yes. not able to cleanse their water. You're all sinners. You're all sinners. Right. Yes. So um, some of the treatments they had for this. Okay. Quote. Put the feet and legs in water as warm as could be born with the addition of mustard and common salt to the water. Open a vein of the arm and bleed from 5 to 16 to 20 ounces... I know It seems like too much. Oh, my God. <laughs> For someone who's sick, especially someone who's, like, Have dying of dehydration. Yes, no, <laughs> do the opposite. All bad blood, add some extra give blood in there. Give
0: fluids. Fuck.
1: <laughs> Apply a large mustard um, poultice <laughs> over the stomach <laughs> and give in chamomile, opium, and camphor every half hour. Okay. If the patient continues to deteriorate, sulfuric ether and small doses should be given. At the same time, an enema of a pint of chicken tea with a tablespoon of salt. No. I mean, maybe That's... an enema might, would an enema actually help if it would get some like hydration back into your body? I don't
0: think so. <laughs> I think that they needed to be like giving them small sips of water frequently and not bleeding them. <laughs>
1: yeah. So um, more exotic and radical treatments were How about a bland diet? Tobacco smoke enemas, <laughs> electric shock therapy, <laughs> or beeswax or oil cloth plugs forced into the victim's rectum to oh stop my the God, diarrhea. no. So you just, like, explode your colon instead. Yeah.
0: Oh, my God. It would come out your mouth.
1: Yes. Eventually. Yeah. <gasps> so So, um, yes. Dr. W. Rylander suggested in July of 1832 uh, that cholera could be treated with an infusion of s- saline solutions. And yes. this is actually part of the preferred therapy for modern cholera. Cholera is actually very treatable these days with antibiotics and fluids. Yes. That's yes. all. Basically, one hundred percent. So this dude,
0: thank you, guys. One guy in history. <laughs> he was like, "Hey guys, instead of like plugging up the asshole and bleeding them, what if we did the opposite and yes. give them fluids, saline?" They're
1: like, "You're a witch."
0: They're like, "Get out of here, you sinner!"
1: Fully, <laughs> uh, go to church. You're bitch. A witch. <laughs> so um, one of the effects of this is in 1854, Broad Street cholera uh, broke out in the Soho district of London. I'm sorry, there was a a Broad Street cholera outbreak in the Soho, it was not a specific uh, cholera, in the Soho District of London. And it was best known for Dr. John Snow's study of its causes and his hypothesis that germ-contaminated water was the source of cholera rather than the particles in the air, which they called miasma. Okay. Snow identified the source of the outbreak at the public water pump on Broad Street, and his advocacy convinced the local council to dismantle the Broad Street pump by removing its handle. Snow later used a dot on the map to illustrate the cluster of cholera cases around the pump. His study was a major event in the history of public health. Interesting. Back to public health, our favorite people on planet Earth. I love how
0: you wrapped it in there. Yes,
1: um, and it's regarded as one of the founding events in the (gasps) science of epidemiology. Amazing. So another great guy, Dr. John Snow. Isn't that a character in, in, in Game uh, fucking Game of Thrones? Yeah, a show I don't watch. <laughs> Me neither. Not even one second of it. I watched like the first episode. Listen, then I was like no, too busy not. on my phone. First of all, you cannot watch dense television. I cannot watch you can't. So complex. I've never seen you watch dense television. No, I can't. I was but, just up there watching. What was it? Mortgage
0: or <laughs> mortgage marriage? or <laughs> marriage. <laughs> I'm excited to go home and finish so, it. So I feel
1: like I had to. That was the, that's, that's so end amazing. Of it, yeah. And I was, um, I feel like we had to. Always, I mean, I was
0: just texting my friend Steph last night who I went to nursing school with because we're like talking about like our next like nursing careers. And I was like, I swear to God, like my next, you know, like, yeah, nursing is like just like a it's fluid, like, you can do so many things. There's a lot of avenues you can go to, so many avenues. And I'm like, I would love to see what is available in like public
1: health nursing. Yeah, I I feel like after this, I want to go to fucking public health. I don't have any background in it, as I said, (laughs) I have a big, I mean, I'm sure that.
0: (laughs) <laughs> I'm sure at this point, they're just taking any old person who's <laughs> willing like, to help. Do you want to work <laughs> Do you want to come help us? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it really is. It's such an underfunded, underappreciated hundred percent. I mean, literally field. one
1: dude removing a fucking handle. Like yeah. public health can be a really simple action. Exactly. It doesn't have, you don't have to like reinvent the
0: wheel and no. do this crazy interventions it's just something as simple as like this is the problem
1: Let's this is the our next solution our next donation station should be like a go run me of- for like alcohol <laughs> from public health i know seriously uh, therapy sessions yeah for therapy public. Yeah. But, yeah
0: talk space for um promo yes. code yes <laughs> your grandparents <laughs> promo code the granny so. <laughs> the granny that's right so all right. There you go. Let's get to our next, uh, listener. Yes. Our our was- next, uh, um, what our we- next first person. First hand experience. There we go. So we need to think of something to call them <laughs> before we do this again live. <laughs> well, Here we
1: are.
4: Hi, my name is Lisa Sauer. I have two daughters, Rachel, who's 37 and Elizabeth, who's almost 28. Um, in terms of parenting uh, during the pandemic, it's reduced to sort of a weird, isolated, distant, over FaceTime only parenting. Um, there was worries about what if one of them got sick? Who would take care of them? I couldn't go see them. Um, uh, our oldest daughter, Rachel, had a baby in May. And that was very difficult because the birth of our second grandchild was nothing like uh, the first. There was, again, a lot of distance and isolation and worry. Um, I would also say that we were used to spending a lot of time with our kids, even though both of them live in different states. Um, With that removed as an option, it just sort of sort of shifted the center of gravity, um, changed things in this weirdly quiet way. And it was a struggle, um, because there were times when, after the grandson was born, that we really wanted to see him, see them. And it just wasn't, it just wasn't possible. So then some of the struggles, some of the unexpected things that happened. I mean, everything was unexpected. Um, I keep saying the distance, and that's what everybody experienced, whether you live down the street from your kids or 10,000 miles away. And we're not prepared for that because that's not who we are, that's not who I am, that's not the relationship I have with my kids. Um, Always the worry, the what if. What if something happened to us? What if something happened to them? How do you deal with a family emergency or sickness in the middle of a pandemic, even if it wasn't related to COVID? Um, so there was a lot of struggles with that. There was a lot of struggles with the dramatic sudden changes in all of our life. The whole thing was unexpected. Um, like every you know, dark cloud, there are some silver linings. Um, one of the things that I felt um, had been a positive outcome for me at least during this is that it solidified how Um, strong. My relationship is with my daughters, with my husband, with our family. Um, I feel an enormous amount of gratitude for the fact that uh, we were able to all stay at home. No one lost their job. No one got sick, knock on wood. And what a privilege that is because so many people in this country and around the world didn't have that experience. Um, I think the daunting nature of a worldwide p- pandemic also has to make you step back and feel humbled and um, you realize how much of your life is really not under your control. And I think the other thing was is that there were times, the quietness, um, the slower pace um being working from home, not traveling, not seeing people, I found out it really wasn't so bad. Um, I've been vaccinated since January. My husband just finished and the girls are both either started that process or are about to. And that's the same for all of our loved ones and many, many of our friends. And Time is precious. People are precious. And I'm very grateful for the fact that all of us to date, we're still here.
0: Oh, my God. I'm crying so hard.
1: I love God.
0: Because, first of all, we should not be friends because of <laughs> <it> just, <laughs>
1: just feed into each other. We're ours.
0: not, like, stable enough to have done this. Here's the thing. Lisa slash uh, my mom. Mom. Thank you. Oh, my God. That was incredible. You touched <laughs>
1: Uh, I god. know Sorry, I'm not laughing because it's funny I'm <laughs> laughing because this, this is fucking ridiculous I mean, this is the best worst <laughs> idea <interview. laughs>
0: your mom touched on so many good points yes, though uh, like I say with tears falling down my face but like truly yes. she oh, god your mom is so sweet and so well spoken um, yeah I mean she's when she said what would we do if one of them got sick I know it sent chills down my yeah. spine because that's something that
1: it's like, you don't want to think about it. You don't no, want I mean, to prepare for it. Yes. But and you right. and it doesn't even have to be like my mom said, it didn't even have to be COVID. Like life happens. Right. Like, what if somebody got cancer? What if somebody got in a car accident? What is right. like, and, and you just like, I, what do you Like, how do you respond to that situation when it's not even safe to,
0: like, get on a plane? Like, at least with my family, we live within, well, my dad lives in Florida now. But, I mean, like, my mom and my brothers, we all live in driving distance. But, I mean, it's so complicated for your family because you guys are all spread out around the United States. So, you know, if somebody was sick, it would take many people getting on many planes, which normally you would never think twice about. But now all of a sudden that is like truly impossible to do in a safe way in the beginning of this pandemic. And when she said that, it
1: just like made me stop and be like, wow. Like even though like, okay, your mom is like across the bridge. She's literally 25 minutes away. But like the distance, like, How long did you go
0: without seeing your mom inside her house? I mean, I my kids just went inside my mom's house for the
1: first time in a year. It was actually over a year. Like you just sat and had like a sad garage Christmas. Yeah.
0: At Christmas we sat in her garage outside. Not to
1: say that was sad. I mean it's better than nothing, but like
0: more than a lot of people got to do. But I mean, that's normally for Christmas. My mom, I mean, she was that was really hard for me and my mom because she you know, like I think she considered me as part of her pod, but I was like, "Sorry, you're not in my pod." Like I have yeah. my pod, I have my people that I'm seeing because yeah. this is what's best for my family for the
1: day to day for the day to day business.
0: And that was, I mean, I'm happy that my mom and Ryan's mom and you know everybody that our extended family was able to respect that because yeah. it was really hard to be like, "This is the limit that we're setting," and it was really hard to be like, "Oh, yeah. I'm still seeing Rachel, but I'm not seeing <laughs> yes. my parents and yes. Ryan's parents," but at the same time, like. Seeing you and seeing Mary and doing our pod, it was what was best for the kids.
1: Yes. It was best for what needed our days to function as – even with, like, some small sense of morality. Yes. Like, totally. it was what was
0: holding my kids together. It was holding me together. And it yes. was just too important to – sacrifice that for the holiday season for if i mean if one of us got sick it could have been months before i mean if all the quarantines if some people were getting sick in multiple waves like it would have just been really complex and especially if we add in all the layers of all of our families so yeah
1: and we are lucky (sighs) like we obviously made a slightly risky decision i know like having a pod situation like on some level you feel weird and guilty about it because there are people who like are not doing any of that and I feel like we all were like honest with each other about things we were doing and not the, you know, going to the park, whatever, right. but not, we were not doing a shit ton of stuff. Yeah. Um. But like it, it did feel like such a gift. Like when people hearing them struggle, I'm like, this is not great, but we have this thing. Right. And we have each other. And like, you know, like.
0: I mean, part of the things we were talking about, what we'll look back on and feel so thankful and like something that I've had that has been so important has been. <laughs> you? <God> damn
1: it. <laughs> I know. Like what we've created, know, like, totally. in our little atmosphere here. Who thought we could be more emotionally <laughs> attached to each other? Three, t- hold on. One time, I gotta tell this story, years ago, before children, I might have even before we got married, but around the time both we of us married got married. Yet. I don't remember. But we sat at a table with maybe eight other couples. It was all couples. There were some heterosexual couples and um, same-sex couples at the table. Yes. Everyone else at this table got one check. <laughs>
0: They gave everybody, individual- Every,
1: like, no, no, there was two checks total. Me and Maggie got one check and the rest of the couples got one other check. So that's the type of we, old lesbian We were
0: putting out more lesbian energy than the actual lesbians N- at that just
1: table. Old people, like, we just never had sex. We yes. was
0: like, we're like, like asexual. We are like, two lesbian. twin beds next to each other with like eight cats. I just sent you something. It was like two best friends decided to get married for the benefits. Yes. I was like, wait, we had this idea first. <laughs> I always say the fact that you and I are not I together is proof that sexuality is I, not a choice. Yes.
1: <laughs> so
0: we digress there. Uh, but okay.
1: Wow. Thank you, mom. Hey, thanks mom. I, I love you. I miss you. I <sighs> hopefully will see you soon. Yes. You're going to see
0: her soon because things are getting better. Yes. We can say that with some sort of meaning behind it. I hope so. Okay. Okay. Let's, let's, should we move on? Let's
1: hear what, what horrible things you have to bring <laughs> up. I'm going to bring the moon way down. Way down. Oh. <laughs> Sobbing into this microphone was not bringing the mood right out. Oh my god! Okay.
0: All
4: right. Okay.
0: Welcome back. <laughs> We're still here. You may still be here. Totally cool. If You're you like, stop listening, I though, cannot listen to
1: these two people cry to each other anymore.
0: <laughs> All right, well, you actually did a great job of leading me right into my topic, Perfect. which is um, you talked about a lot of the pandemics leading up to this, but our last pandemic that we had, you know, worldwide was the 1918 influenza or Spanish flu, which I'm going to highlight and talk about. Okay. Um, all right, so it was an unusually deadly influenza pandemic caused by the H1N1 influenza A virus. Oh. Yeah.
1: What? What is, do you know what A, like what is that? Is it just like a, a like just a like subtype
0: Okay. Yeah. Like there's flu A, flu B. There's like different oh, strains okay. of flu. Okay.
1: And Got this it. was like
0: the H1N1.
1: Got
0: it. Which, total side note, when we had like the 2009, which actually was, I was reading about it today, it was considered a pandemic because the 2009 flu season was really severe. There was a lot of deaths. Yes. It was an H1N1. Okay. Flu. So it was like a cousin to this pandemic. Oh. So hmm. without vaccines. Mm. I know. Think about it.
1: God. Good job, vaccines. Oh, my God.
0: Okay. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so this lasted from February of 1918 to April of 1920. It infected 500 million people, which was about a third of the world's population at the time. Holy shit. I know. It was really bad. That's it is- all.
1: That, it was a third of the world's population. We've really been fucking since then. <laughs> I know, right? Or I guess we've really been solving
3: <laughs> we've diseases We've really been
0: staying then. alive since then. Maybe that's the song. Staying <laughs> alive. <laughs> we figured out vaccines. Now we wrote that song. Um, so, okay. The disease is called the Spanish flu as early as the first wave. Um, but this was because Spain was not involved in the war, having remained neutral, and they had not imposed wartime censorship. So the newspapers there were free to report the epidemic's effects. Mm-hmm. And because of this, these widely spread stories created a false impression of Spain being especially hard hit. Okay. So it really had nothing to do with it. didn't originate in Spain. Spain had nothing to do with it other than the fact they were like, hey, we can talk about it. <laughs> it was okay. not being censored out of their papers, which I thought was interesting. Um, and so uh, historically, most, and even to the present day, most influenza outbreaks disproportionately kill the very young and the very old mm-hmm. with a higher survival rate with those in between. But this particular flu resulted in a higher than expected mortality rate for young adults. Okay. Okay, so what were the signs and symptoms of influenza? So it was what you would expect for the normal flu, you know, sore throat, headache, fever. um, Although something that was unique to this was this more serious type called – it was called heliotrope cyanosis, which is where –
1: Okay. I'm going to describe it. (laughs) Do those words mean something to you in particular? I mean, you don't have to necessarily explain them, but like if you read that, does that give you information?
0: Heliotrope, no, but cyanosis, yes. Like blue of the face or blue of the extremities.
1: I feel like I've heard you say that before when you're doing your like nurse talk.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So I'm going to tell you what it is. So first the skin, you would develop these two mahogany spots over your cheekbones. So you would get like this really deep red of your cheeks. Okay. And then over a few hours, it would turn, your face would turn the entire your entire face would turn blue. And this would then f- become black. Um, it would turn your extremities oh, black, That torso black. Because you were just not getting enough Your Yeah, your oxygenation was so... Yeah, your oxygen oxid- Or your
1: blood was dying.
0: So, like, you were... Your oxygenation was life. so bad. Like you weren't
1: you're, yeah, perfusing. Okay. Like okay. When, you tr-
0: when you're turning blue, it's because there's like no oxygen in the blood. Okay. So that's kind of what's happening. Like you're just becoming so, you know, without
1: oxygen. Okay. You're just turning Sounds blue to like black. A fucking dream.
0: Yeah. So once this would happen, death would follow within hours because your lungs were, you know, so yeah. full of I mean, fluid. If you
1: can't breathe, you can't be alive.
0: Mm-hmm. You said it. So other- <laughs> So this is really gory. So trigger if you're a little squeamish. It can't be
1: gory than some of the fucking shit we've already said on this, can it?
0: Mm, I don't know. You be the judge. Okay. Let's so see. other signs and symptoms reported included spontaneous mouth and nosebleeds, miscarriages for pregnant people, a peculiar smell. So I read about this. Wait, a lot. I'm sorry. One second. Yes. Why miscarriages? Because your blood flow is not. Yeah, you would just, you would be bleeding and
1: like your oxygen would be so bad. Your body's like, I got to get rid of this fucking thing. Yeah,
0: at some point, like, I know we talked about on past episodes, like the baby would always survive, but at some point, your, your body like, would switch oh, okay, over to be okay. like, okay, I need to preserve my yeah. own oxygen. Okay. And also, you were just spontaneously bleeding from like any mucous <sighs> membrane, which is unfortunately like your, you know, vaginal canal. Like you would yeah, just start there's bleeding. There's a
1: lot of mucous membranes up yeah, in that business. You would just be okay. Bleeding. Sorry. So I read
0: about this a lot, this peculiar smell, and it was. It was the smell that they would write about was not when the person would die. So you, it wasn't like a putrid, rotting body smell.
1: So it was a smell you would smell on someone else. Not like I'm smelling something in my own nose. No, like the
0: person who is sick, you would smell them. Like when they yeah. got to this per- certain...
1: It had like, they had a particular. They had a, smell. A,
0: a very peculiar smell. They would all like so many times I read about it when I was researching for this week, and they were like, but it wasn't like regular gross smell because as we said, like things just were stinky yes. at this time. It was not that, and it wasn't like the smell of a dead body. It was just like you were putting off this odor that was really. And they were like, you. It was like the smell of.
1: Death. Are you going to tell me what it is? No, like, they is never knew, like,
0: They never knew what it is was it like.
1: Tissue that's actively dying. No,
0: because it, they were like saying it wasn't the smell of decay. It was just like whatever, maybe it was, my guess was, is that, you know, you're filling up with fluid in your lungs. It's bacterial, it's yunky, it's funky. And maybe it was just like, you were getting the smell of, like the bacteria kind of
1: still, still not grosser than those fucking forceps
0: (laughs) or the chainsaw. That's true. Um, Also, you know, delirium, dizziness, insomnia, loss of hearing or smell, you know, you were basically all your systems were failing. Um, One observer wrote one of the most striking and complications was hemorrhage from the mucous membranes, especially from the nose, stomach, and intestine bleeding from the ears and petechial hemorrhages of the skin also occurred. So petechial hemorrhages was just like you'd be bleeding under your skin. Ew. So like literally just blood pouring mm.
1: out of you. Because all of this is due to you not getting enough oxygen?
0: It's just the flu. So basically like your your cell membranes are just so infected that oh, they're just Maggie. hemorrhaging. Like your cells are just bursting open. No, I did not like that. I know. It was bad. So the severity of these symptoms was believed to be caused by um, cytokine storms. So I'm going to explain what that is. Don't. You're looking at me with a bewildered face, I'm going to tell you.
1: You say all these words to me? This is like when I'm like, this is a date. And I'm like, oh, yes. I'm like. Now you know how I feel when you say a date. I'm <laughs> like a fucking like dumbass.
0: So a cytokine storm is a physiological reaction in which the immune system causes an uncontrolled and excessive release of pro-inflammatory signaling molecules called cytokines. So this is a normal immune response to infections. So when you get a sinus infection, your body makes these things called cytokines, which go to your infection, which help clear you out. Okay. But when you're having this kind of like huge widespread infection, your body Mm. sends too many cytokines, Mm -hmm. which causes this huge multi-organ failure because they kind of clog up your bloodstream. So your kidneys fail your liver fails, your lungs, your heart, cause like your heart can't pump cause the blood is so full of these things. Uh, and so you just go into this like multi-organ failure death, which during COVID, this uh, is what people are dying from, is this cytokine storm.
1: and this like that's severe because their body is just trying to do anything to save itself and ends up killing itself basically.
0: exactly it's like your, your immune system gets overstimulated and that's why you have and that's why a lot of these deaths of these cytokine storms happen to the very healthy and young because your immune system is so strong
4: Oh, so it's like okay. old
0: people don't necessarily die from this because their immune systems are not strong enough to to pose to such a strong su- response. Okay. Oh, okay. And during this pandemic, in the 1918 pandemic, yeah. it was mostly affecting young, healthy people. So you were having this cytokine storm reaction. Um, and during the COVID pandemic, this has been, you know, what we've been seeing. But now we have treatment for it. Um, you know, steroids, basically anything to dampen the immune response. So they give you tons mm-hmm. of steroids, which does help. It helps the inflammation. It helps reduce the release of cytokines. And so you can survive it. But, I mean, once you're kind of at the point, like I've taken care of patients who
1: have been. It's its like this is what we have to do to save your life. Not just like, like, hey, you're not feeling good. Right. It's, but also there's complications that come along with steroid use Oh, yeah. But,
0: I mean, you could give – the kind of steroids you're giving in this is, like, you don't even care, like, what those long-term – It's it's heroic, life-saving Exactly. Like, you're giving steroids, like, at very high doses to try to get through it. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it's just kind of interesting that the same thing – That people were dying from them. Like, we really haven't really quite fixed that problem. It's still occurring. But now, at least, I mean, that's your body's like natural
1: reaction.
0: I mean, yeah, it's how hard and strong your bodies are fighting. Yeah. But especially in, I mean, you know, COVID has been affecting mostly old and immunocompromised people. But of those cases that you hear of like young, healthy people, this is what they're seeing is happening. Okay. Well, on that terrible downer.
1: This episode is a downer. <laughs> Overall.
0: <laughs> um, let's talk about the timeline. So there was several waves of this pandemic, much like we're experiencing now with COVID. And so I'm gonna, we're going to walk through them. Okay. Um, so the first wave of this pandemic um, is marked as starting as March 4th, 1918, which is kind of interesting. Oh my God, started almost in March. exactly. Yeah. Ew, I
1: don't like that. I know, isn't that kind of <laughs>
0: weird? But it started in the United States. By um, the first person sick with it was named Albert Gitchell. Sorry, dude. You're oh called out. Oh, my God.
1: Shut up. you. they know the actual person? It was
0: yeah. the first person sick with it? He was an Army cook at Camp Funston, Kansas. Mm. And then that whole mm. – so within 522 days – I mean, this is – I'm War- sorry. Within days, 522 men at this camp had become sick.
1: I mean, this is – World War I. World War I, yes. Yeah.
0: Um, and so by March 11th, so not that much longer, the virus had reached Queens, New York, and failure to take preventative measures in Queens, in New York,
1: you know, the, you know, mm-hmm. such a big city, was mm-hmm. later criticized as like this was. Yeah, but I, I, I feel like I mean maybe I don't know, but I'm assuming troops were leaving from New York. Like, you ever heard like you ever do like heard of Fleet Week in New York? Yeah. Okay. So there's probably a lot of it. I mean, army, navy, whatever, but. Yeah. There's a lot of comings and goings. Absolutely. To Europe, where 100%. war was happening.
0: Yes. So, really, you led me right into my next sentence oh, here. So. Sorry. <laughs>
1: I didn't mean to step up. I'm just trying to use no. my <laughs> historical knowledge. You
0: are. And you're really giving me great <laughs> segues here. So, like, as you just said, the disease quickly spread from all these US camps in the mm-hmm. United States to Europe. And quickly became an epidemic in the Midwest, the East Coast, and French ports by April. Um, And it reached the Western Front by the middle of the month. So it happened really quick. Well, flu doesn't have a super long incubation period. Like COVID is two weeks, you know, really seven to 10 days. Flu is pretty quick. Flu is a little bit quicker. Um, So then from there, it went to France, Great Britain, Italy, Spain, um, and then reached North Africa and India, Japan by May. Um, and soon after had likely gone around the world because it was, um, by April, it was in Southeast Asia. So March,
1: I mean, really like a month, it was around the world. Dude, COVID didn't even take, uh, mm-hmm. COVID didn't take, it took longer than that. And we are more global. That's I mean, right. I get, I get that like troops were coming and going all the time. Yeah, but, but this was incredibly fast. In 1980, and people were having to take boats. They're like sitting I'm like, okay, <laughs> I guess I'll fucking sit here in this goddamn boat across the ocean.
0: <laughs> I know. Yeah, I mean,
1: it's really crazy how fast it went. So
0: the first wave of the flu lasted from the first quarter of 1918 and was relatively mild. So mortality rates were not crazy above normal in the United States, at least. So for this flu season of 1918, an estimated 75,000 people died from the flu compared to 63,000 in the previous Okay, so like
1: an uptick, but not like people were like, yeah, like they were like,
0: okay, like this is a little bit worse, but okay, like they really didn't do many mitigation efforts Mm -hmm. in this time. Um, there was no reported quarantines. I mean,
1: hindsight is fucking 2020.
0: Exactly, and also it happened so quick, like I don't even know before by the time they probably found out it was around the world,
1: it was probably too late to really have done
0: anything i mean like at that time what were they using for communication like fucking morse code like pigeons and shit telegraph (laughs) um so yeah this was kind of the first wave and it was you know it it did definitely it had a lot of implications but it wouldn't have
1: been noted no necessarily
0: the second wave,
1: however, yeah. was much more serious. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so the second clearly, wave clearly
1: we're gonna catch up on a lot of deaths here.
0: <laughs> yeah, we have a lot of work to do by the second wave. Um, so the second wave began in August of 1918, um, helped by troop movements. It spread over the next two months to all of North America, and then to Central and South America, and also reached Brazil by the way of Caribbean on ships, and then also Philadelphia did their part by having the Philadelphia. <laughs> Liberty Loans Parade. <laughs> I have to say, Sawbones did a great episode on the Philadelphia
1: Parade. Yes. I feel like I remember this. There was like spitting or something, wasn't there? They
0: did one. I forget what the episode's called. It's called like the worst parade or something or the deadliest parade. <laughs>
1: but basically, like they would have Is these more parades. deadly than the ba- Santa batteries? <laughs> They would do these
0: parades for like war morale, efforts. Yeah, yeah, morale. And I believe, and I might be talking my ass, but I think they canceled theirs in Boston. Like Boston was supposed to have one, but they were like, listen, the flu is too bad. We're not gonna gather and have all these people. And Philly was like, nah, we're gonna have ours. Like, we're This also
1: has reflections into current day America.
0: They're like, you're
4: not gonna,
1: this you is not
4: masking
0: parade. Um, And literally within days, every single bed in the hospitals were filled. People were literally dying in the streets. I mean, that's Um, another
1: thing. Like, I'm sure that this probably happened in here just like COVID is there are people who would have survived if there was physically a hospital mm -hmm. bed for them to be taken care of.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. 12,000 people died after just (gasps) going to the parade. Just from the fucking parade. Yeah.
1: Damn it, it was the deadliest parade. It
0: was the deadliest parade. There's a really good Sawbones episode. So if you listen That's to Sawbones. an old
1: one, isn't it? It's older, yeah. Okay.
0: I think they they did like a rehash of it during the pandemic. I remember listening I to remember it on the this. drive home from the mountains when during the pandemic, I was like, oh, oh, okay. what's this about? And then I was like, huh. <laughs> <laughs> regrets, regrets. Yeah. Um, so the second wave was, as I said, much more deadly than the first. The first wave resembled the typical flu where most of the people who died were elderly, younger, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, they were more of the elderly and young, whereas the second wave was really wiping out like young, healthy people. Um, and there was the highest fatality rate. So in the United States, two hundred and ninety-two de- 292,000 deaths were reported between September to December of 1918 compared to only 26,000 <gasps> during the same time period in the previous year.
1: Oh, my God.
0: It, like, I don't know what that quick math is, but, Um, it like, more
1: than, I don't even know. A lot more. (laughs) Uh, We have firmly established that this is not a math podcast.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Reach out to us if you can do that math.
1: (laughs) Leo could. And then he would look at you like you're a goddamn idiot for
0: not. (laughs) It's fine. Um, There's a third wave. So, really, the second wave was the big one, but the third wave was in January 1919, Um, So this continued and it killed up to 12,000 people um, in Australia. And they, well, basically they started lifting these maritime quarantines. So during the second wave, a lot of people initiated these quarantines. Like Mm, Australia, uh like New Zealand, some of the smaller island areas. And so they were like, okay, that was it. They lifted these quarantines and then bam, this third wave hit all of these kind of smaller areas. Um, So this was less severe than the second wave, but still much more deadly than the initial first wave. Um, in the United States, isolated outbreaks occurred kind of all the way through until the end of 1919. All right. So surprise here. We'd like to build up public health people. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to talk about the public health management. Yeah, this is a
1: public health stand.
0: <laughs> podcast. <laughs> um, So I kind of mentioned the maritime quarantines, but we I will elaborate on them. So they were declared on islands such as Iceland, Australia um, and many other, you know, Small, smaller yeah, like kind of European
1: places that are able to. Sort of keep themselves away from, yeah.
0: And this was declared that they saved many lives this way. So they actually did social distancing measures. So they did close schools, theaters, places of worship. They limited public transportation and they banned many mass gatherings during this time. I mean, good. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yes, you did that right. Um, wearing face masks, face masks became common in some places, such as Japan. Though, were there were debates over the efficacy at that time, there really wasn't like a good type of standardized cotton like it was the types of fabric they were using were not always consistent or you know really beneficial i mean we
1: definitely have conversations about like what are the best type of masks to wear now
0: even today yeah so there was this anti-mask league of san francisco my fucking god
1: (laughs) these brosifs all these people's great grandparents yes
0: Yes, exactly.
1: They came from these people. Oh Lord. So
0: there was like thousands of people who came together to like picket and protest against wearing masks. And this was in San Francisco. I wish I could show
1: you how hard my eyes are rolling right
0: now. (laughs) I have a really cute picture that showed you before of barbers in California that were wearing masks when they're cutting hair although the patrons that they're cutting are not wearing masks so it's almost like cool mm. <laughs> um so vaccines were developed at this time but they were more based on the bacteria that like so there were some vaccines against some of the secondary bacterial infections you could okay. acquire but they didn't they hadn't quite figured out viral vaccinations yet no
1: and they also at, I mean, this point penicillin didn't exist.
0: Right. they didn't have any antibiotics for it. So you really could, you know, they were giving some vaccines, but I mean, they're, they're really, trying their best. Yeah. They were developed, but they really, they were only helpful against some secondary infections. Um, and so, and it was also hard because the actual enforcement of some of these, you know, the social distancing and mm-hmm. the closing of things, you know, it was not really strictly enforced and you can see now how yeah. hard it is. I mean, imagine how it was a hundred years ago. Yes. Um, you know, and, and somewhere like New York City, they had their health commissioner would order businesses to open and close on staggered shifts to avoid overcrowding hmm. on the subways, which was something oh, that okay. was kind of like, you know, a very, yeah, you know, proactive sense. thing to yeah. do. So, you know, businesses were not all, yeah, not every not single everybody's business like, I have to open this thing right now. from yeah. 9 to 5. Like, maybe you're open from 5 to yeah, 10 p.m. or, you know, whatever. So that was super helpful in New York City to try to mitigate spread. Um and yeah, so a later study found that measures such as banning mass gatherings and requiring the wearing of face masks could have cut the death rate up to fifty percent. But this was dependent largely on how well it was imposed mm-hmm. and how it was enforced. Wow, this really is giving us some very harsh reflections. <laughs> well, you know what? That's the thing. Like when you want to look at, especially with pandemics, and you know, you really have to look to the past. And I mean, in so many ways, history is unfortunately repeating itself, you know, like it really,
1: you know, it sounds quite similar. I know. And it sucks because we have such better tools now. Like we do have like, okay, obviously like a virus. I I mean, there are some antivirals, but they're not super, they're not effective in the same way antibiotics are. Right. But we have like ventilators. We have, if you get pneumonia, we do have like antibiotics for secondary infections. Like, right. We can enforce greater, like you can be at home easier. Like I can sit, Leo can sit in his office and he can work.
0: Right. At this point, there was no work from home options. I mean, I could be like, sign into your VPN. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it was impossible. I mean, you still have to go. Don't you remember how
1: nice it was? The one, one of the good things about COVID. Remember in like March when you had to drive places and Mm -hmm. you were like, wow. There's nobody on the road. I know. I would go to the doctor's, the doctor's office that we go to that is like, I've been to a doctor's on almost every floor in that fucking office. That parking lot mm. must have been designed by someone who was, like, drunk and on acid. <laughs> yeah, it's the
0: worst parking garage on planet Earth.
1: I've never been in a worse parking garage. <laughs> never. Never. Okay. There is
0: one worst parking garage. Where? At the Pearlman Institute at um, where you went to get your...
1: Uh... Oh, that parking garage is not terrible. The parking garage itself is not terrible. <laughs> Physically getting into that parking garage is terrible. But anyway, it, it's bad. I remember going to doctor appointments in March and April... And parking on the third floor, which is like the first floor you can park on, and mm-hmm. being like, this is wow. amazing. <laughs> That's, I'll give that one to COVID. <laughs> yeah,
0: seriously. You actually threw this little numeral at me when we were taking our little break there. But so I said 292,000 deaths were reported from the flu. And you looked up and told me that 116,708 people died from World War I, Americans died yes, from Americans. the war. So think about that. Like that's, yeah, that's about wild. double people died from the flu, then died from the war. It's like really intense. It's sick. Okay. So I wanted to try to tie this back into how it affected the American family. Okay. Because I feel heavily affected by yeah. COVID. Yes. And I've thought over and over again how- It's definitely
1: changed the shape of yes. a family.
0: Yes. And so I wanted to find out, you know, what happened, like what were families doing during this time? So I took a lot of information from- Crying into their pillows? Yes, we'll get to it. <laughs> so this is an article called The Spanish Influenza Pandemic of 1918, A Defining Characteristic in the Life and History of the American Family by okay. Ellie Vance.
1: What a perfect article for you. you,
0: Ellie. <laughs> so as I mentioned earlier, most influenza outbreaks are mostly deadly to the very young and the very old, with a higher survival rate of those in between. Mm-hmm. But as we said, the Spanish flu pandemic resulted in a higher than expected morale- mortality rate for young adults. So, what is something that all young adults had in common at this time? They had young a lot families. Of families, yeah. Yeah, and a lot yeah. of children. Um, within a few short months, the Spanish influenza took 675,000 American men, mm. women, and children, nearly 3% of the population at the time. Dude, that's fucking crazy. I know. Um, and so, a lot of those people were in the prime of their lives,
1: ages yeah. 20 to 39. Yeah, when you expect, like, you feel invincible at right. that age. Well, and I don't know. I don't know. It, 37, I feel invincible, but at 20, I did.
0: And also, like, what was 39 age then? Like, if you were only living to, like, 60. Like, what, I what was like, I don't know expectancy? what the life expectancy was. Yeah. So the death of all these young people created widows and widowers and many orphans and half orphans.
1: Oh, you have one parent dying. Yeah. One parent or
0: both parents dying. Um, And so there was one article in the Washington Times reported, one of the most pitiful cases is that of the eight children of Mr. and Mrs. William Bowles. The mother died last Sunday, and the father died Wednesday from the influenza. Mm. I know. So in New York City alone, the flu produced nearly 31,000 orphans in just a matter of weeks. With the death of both parents, usually relatives would step Mm -hmm. up to take care of those children. But with an increase of immigration, many young
1: families were first-generation Americans. Oh, my God. I didn't even Mm -hmm. think about that. How many kids were just by themselves with a parent or both parents Absolutely. and their other siblings They had
0: little <gasps> to no family to step in and raise their family in, oh the, god, in yeah. the wake of their death. There were so many orphans. Oh my
1: god, I didn't even think about
3: that.
0: I know. So this was a huge factor and there was so many like all of the orphanages all of a sudden were completely like overflowing oh my god, with children because all the relatives lived <sighs> in foreign countries. I mean, really they were left to the mercy of these private charities. And so there were some couples who would step up to adopt these, they were called flu orphans. It was literally like there would be a whole page of ads in the newspaper of like oh local God. flu orphans of, it would just be like, you know, Bobby, age two, Sally, age one. And like, you wow. could just come in and adopt oh. kids if you Holy wanted them shit. because they were just literally at churches being taken care of by I mean, nuns. what other option? Were they going there to send no them back options. to like County Cork? Right. No. There was no, nobody had anywhere to take care of them. Um, so, I'll talk about the Bowles family. This was like a little bit of a digression here. But so there was a lot of if so, if you had older siblings, they would try to then be like, Mm -hmm. "Okay, let's take care. Like we don't have parents anymore.
1: Let's take care of each other. Let's take
0: care of each other. So the Bowles family was someone that was like highly, you know, looked at. So they had the parents died just days apart, left eight children parentless. Um the too oldest sibling. Kids. That's always what I think when I hear that dumb mic. Yeah, eight kids. I mean I'm
1: sorry for their I'm sorry for their loss or whatever, but that's too big fucking
0: kids. I know. Could you imagine?
1: No.
0: The oldest was Catherine. She was eighteen and she became on the census in the nineteen twenty census. She was listed as head of Pet household. household. Mm-hmm. She was eighteen years old. So she, to make money, she played the violin at the cafeteria in <laughs> order to support her younger siblings. So she just like played music for other mm-hmm. people. The youngest child, Joseph, so they couldn't take care of the baby. They sent him to St. Anne's Infant Asylum Oh, um, at the age he was just turning two because his older siblings, they just found it difficult to care for him. Yeah, it's one thing to like take care of a nine-year-old
1: is another thing to take care of a two-year-old. Right? Especially
0: if, I mean, if she was out playing the violin all day, trying to make money. I mean, who would love to take care of the baby? I mean, another young child. So they just had to turn him over. But at some point, Joseph left the orphanage and in 1930, he was residing with four of his older siblings. Oh, good. Yeah. And, um, I mean, as I said, as a re- direct result of this, orphanages across the country experienced a huge influx of new orphans.
1: Wow. Due to
0: high demand, yeah. you know, orphanages basically were springing up overnight and they were all filled to capacity. Oh, that's horrible. I mean, just think
1: about it. Like That's so
0: sad. Imagine being sick. And I think no. my favorite murder did a home care um, or hometown story. And I, I tried to find it this week, but I just couldn't. There's so many. Yeah. Um, But it was a story of, a woman writing in about her grandparents and how when they went to do like the DNA, like something Mm -hmm. or other, it was like, there was this crazy thing. They didn't expect like the, Mm -hmm. you know, they thought they were all from this one country, but it was like the lineage was different. And when they asked about to the grandparent, they were like, well, I mean, yeah, those are my parents, but they're not my birth parents. So basically what had happened was um, this family had traveled from overseas to visit, into the United States with, you know, they came to visit another family, I guess. Okay. And they became sick with the flu. And as everybody was getting sick, they walked the baby to a neighbor. And they were like, we're all oh, very yes. sick. Can you just watch yes. over our baby until we feel and then better? And they all were like, Dry. And then they literally all died in that yes. house. Yes, I remember But the baby now. survived. It yeah, was, like, so was like this year. It was this year. I remember yeah, they talked so about it. There's so many yeah, mini shows. Yeah. I tried to find it. I was yeah. like, I'm going to fuck up the yes. story. But the gist of it was. <laughs> yes, I remember that. This baby was just basically, well, I guess this is our baby now. They had no birth certificate, no name. Like they just dropped this baby off. They were sick as shit. They were just like, please watch. Imagine just walking Colin
1: to a neighbor and being like, hi, I'm too sick to care for my baby. Can you just watch over them? I mean, I guess in that moment to be like, this is like, it's a thing I can do for this child.
0: I know. And they just, that was who raised the baby. It was this neighbor, and I guess in some way it came
1: out. She was like, oh, well, I guess I'm from this national. I also feel like there's, like, I mean, as, as a oversharer, I don't understand. There's, like, generations of grandparents that are like, oh, yeah, by the way,
0: here's this bombshell on 90 later. But I guess it was maybe, like, a point of shame. Like, they didn't yeah. know, know who they really
1: were. Um, or they didn't want to like embarrass what they felt were their parents. Yeah. Like they were their parents. I mean, that baby, that's all they ever knew. I mean, the people who dropped them off were just, you know, a story to them. Yes. So this
0: is kind of just really sweet. I'm going to talk about this little elderly man. So this elderly man that he had no name, but he lost his son to the war. Um, and he met two little orphans and he said, I'm going to adopt you both and give you a real home since my boy has gone West. I'm a childless father and you were a childless or I'm sorry, you were a fatherless and motherless child. Mm. Wouldn't you love to live at my house? And the two youngsters found a real home with this oh, elderly man.
1: Good. So like. I, I mean, I hope there was lots of little connections yeah, like that. You know.
0: Like these little, just people like rallying together and taking kids in. <sighs> but on the flip side, there was kids who were probably in very amazing loving homes that went yes. to orphanages oh, that were. A hundred percent. Like I'm sure. I'm, yes. Yes. There was an overwhelming incredible, amount of children. Incredible amount of trauma. Trauma. To just so many. And I mean, that's not what we're seeing in this pandemic. Thankfully, <laughs> I feel like the one yeah. thing I've said over and over again this year to so many families that I talked to is I mean, at least kids, you know, kids aren't getting that yeah. sick, you know, like if your, your child has COVID, but, you know, luckily they'll probably just have really I mean, mild I
1: symptoms. Do you know any kids personally that have had COVID? I, have not, I don't no, either. I don't know any child. And I we know, know a lot of kids. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, we know,
0: <laughs> we know too many fucking kids. <laughs> have too many kids. <laughs> um, I don't yeah, know, I don't any, know kids. any kids. I know a handful of adults who have yeah, in, I know in our yes. life. But I mean, yeah, no children. And that's truly been one of, and like in the beginning of this, when- this was all occurring and we were learning about it. And I was like, there's no way they can like, you know, this can't go on for so long because I mean, it's not really making young and you know, it's really only mm. affecting people who we would expect to be sick from something to get sick. Well, <laughs> But here we are. Yes. So I wanted to do, I'm going to, so that's really all I had to say about the flu pandemic. It was shitty okay. and it kind of almost came back in 2009. <laughs> I mean, at least we have,
1: well, I guess I, I was going to say we have better mitigation strategies at this point, but maybe COVID has shown us we don't. Yeah. I don't know.
0: Hard to say. Verdict is still out. <laughs> so I tried to find any sort of research I could on what's out there for COVID. Because, I mean, we're long enough into it that there might be some things starting to emerge. Yeah, but you
1: know scientists like to understandably – Yeah, they're playing a long
0: game. Yeah, they're playing a long game. But I did find a couple. So I'm going to talk about one called Wellbeing of Parents and Children During the COVID-19 Pandemic. And this Uh, was a national survey. Can I
1: break it down, the (laughs) abstract? Bad. That's the abstract.
0: You're correct. (laughs) So in June 2020, there was a national survey conducted of parents with children under the age of 18 to measure changes in health status, insurance status, food security – use of public food assistance resources, childcare and the use of healthcare services. So, in since March 2020, 20% of parents reported worsening mental health for themselves mm. and 14% reported worsening behavioral health for their children. Mm. Can I mean can confirm. <laughs> <laughs> the proportion of families with moderate to severe food insecurity increased from 6% yeah. before March to 8% after. 24% of parents reported a loss of regular child care. Worsening mental health for parents occurred alongside
1: worsening behavioral health for their children in nearly 1 in 10 families. I mean, when you're... I My mental health obviously suffered. And, like, I had a baby who's been a gray baby, not colicky. Like, I mean, he's a right. baby. Yeah, he does like, normal baby stuff. He's 10 out of 10 baby. Yeah. Cameron is great at independent playing. I mean... He's just his own little person. He does a lot of his own stuff. He's very like, I can be like, hey, watch TV and go put the baby down. And I'm not like up there like, oh, God, please. He's a great kid. Yes. And my mental health suffered. So to have a child that has any sort of behavioral needs of any sort. Like, or just like, like, there are lots of kids who are like, quote, unquote, good. I don't really like to use that term. But like, let's say pretty typical, normal children. A lot of them have really had a hard time dealing yeah, with this. Absolutely. And so of course, that's going to fucking, like, affect yeah. you. I because-
0: mean, the thing with, I kept thinking about, like, you know, with us as grownups, we have a way to kind of understand the world around us. Yes. And we have so many access to resources to learn about it. I mean, yeah. especially with, I remember Ben saying something to me sometime during the pandemic. He was like, it's not fair that you can always talk to your friends. And yes. I was like, you're right. It is not, not fair. It's not fair. Yes.
1: Texting. God bless texting. God bless the group chat. I mean, this is the year of the group
0: chat. <laughs> I mean, group chats, Instagram. I mean, all 100%. of it. Facebook, being able 100%. to- FaceTiming
1: with people. FaceTiming, uh-huh. calling, yes.
0: just texting with your friends has yes. been such a lifeline. But it like for our been. young kids I know. who are less than, who really don't have access to social media or texting, yeah, we don't can't have, read yet, we don't. really all they have is- us.
1: I know. We're their He's source of our everything. stupid faces every goddamn I day. I know. And
0: I remember when Ben said that, I was like, oh my God, you're right. It's not there. Like, you don't get no. to see or talk to any of your friends. I know. And I do.
1: And we, like, we both have social children. Like, Cameron plays well yes. by himself better than your kids do. Sorry, unfortunately. Really? Yeah. But he is. Thrives just like your children do yeah. around other Well, it's because that's kids. how we I raise them. I mean, kids them. do also kids in Kids always do.
0: But also, like, our kids have always been around. Like, we live very busy, despite what it might sound like. <laughs> <laughs> we have lived a quite, uh, you know, a busy social life yes. in our neighborhood. I mean, our
1: before this, if I had a, an entire day where we didn't leave the house, I was like, oh, damn, I got to fucking do something tomorrow. I know. And now I'm just like, okay, so last Saturday I left... <laughs> You know
0: what I mean? Yeah, things, it's just slowly. So yeah, it, it you can see I mean, this study is like basically like no fucking
1: shit is the abstract. <laughs> <laughs> exactly what you think is happening is happening.
0: <laughs> this one's actually sad. So This is the study. Oh. This is a separate study. So this examined the impacts of COVID-19 um, pandemic in relation to parental p- perceived stress and child abuse
1: potential. Oof.
0: So it it is already well-established that stress plays an important role in child maltreatment potential. So like the more stress your family is under,
1: you
0: know, the more likely you are to, you know, uh, abuse your children. So, but despite ample evidence linking individual family level stressors with poor parenting and child maltreatment, families across the world are now collectively experiencing this new range of stressors. So Mm -hmm. this study is basically saying, okay, we're, we know that individual stressors are a trigger, but what happens when every single person is under the same stressor is child abuse going to then skyrocket to what we know, you know, is it going to raise that much more? Um, So there, this is kind of a small study. There was only 183 people who participated and it was basically saying that, you know, greater COVID-19 related stressors and high anxiety and depressive symptoms are associated with higher parental perceived stress and higher child abuse potential. Conversely, greater parental support and perceived mm. control during yeah. the pandemic are associated
1: with lower perceived stress and child abuse potential. I mean, obviously, I'm not, I would never, I've not ever hit my kids nor whatever. I, I definitely am like, I hope Cameron does not remember how much I yelled this year.
0: Well, and you said something in the
1: beginning, like, and Laura said it too,
0: like, you just don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. And that lack of control.
3: Uh.
1: Is, is what spirals yes. you. Yes. I feel like if you could just be like, if, if we could literally be like, okay, so September 5th, even if it was far away,
0: September 5th. This is the day that every to literally
1: going to go be away. Like, okay. I can be on the calendar just like XXX. Yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah. And this, so
0: this finding, this study found that although families experience elevated levels of stress, providing that parental support and increasing the perceived control can be a way to decrease that risk yeah. of child abuse in these situations. So just having the parents have some sort of tangible control over their lives, Ugh. providing them with that yeah. support is going to help reduce that risk. And I mean, it, it just,
1: it, yeah,
0: it's that lack of control for me too. That was so hard. And it
1: was just, it's still hard. It's still and I'm hard. Getting a like an edge of control. Right. Like we're starting to see kind you of, being fully vaccinated me being half vaccinated, like us being able to like, have competent leadership on some level right. federally, like where people are like, okay, so like here is some sort of plan. Even if it's not like like not like not being like, okay, so in this day everything's gonna be great. So right. Like, okay, if we can get this amount of people and if we can get herd immunity by this point, then right. this is what's gonna happen and we're gonna get funding Slow to school. Steady, you yes. know, like
0: things are happening in yes. a way that makes sense.
1: Um, but yeah, it's uh oof. yeah it's been a fucking <laughs> It's been a year. It's been a year. <laughs> Let's take a quick break, I guess, right? You're done? Yes. Okay. And we have one more firsthand account. I guess that's had yes. the actual We should practice <laughs> that. <laughs> practice boo. No, two thumbs down. If you cannot tell, we have not practiced <laughs> Oh, what moment of this. We are just doing it. Winging it, bitch. <laughs>
3: I'm Allie, and I have a seven-year-old son named Franklin. My experience with pandemic parenting, huh? Hmm. A lot of mixed feelings on that subject. Um, in the beginning last March, when school was closed, and it was just my husband and Frank in our house, It was kind of actually nice. I liked our little nuclear family bubble. We kind of, like, relied on each other um, for social interaction. And we did puzzles. And we got this, like, extra bit of family time without any distractions, without, like, traveling places and stuff like that. And that was really cool. Um, It got really old very quickly, though. And then... It was a lot to just survive. (laughs) And once my husband went back to work, it was just me and Frank, and I had to start relying on screens a lot more. And it was the middle of the summer, too hot to like stand outside. Most of the playgrounds were closed, so that was really rough. Um, So yeah like TV movies and video games like definitely got us through that and then we just kind of settled into a new normal and yeah it was okay but as time ticked on it just got heavier and heavier and I just feel like emotionally we weren't able to give as much as we usually are and so I think that that is something that I didn't expect. Um, Just the length of time. Just, I don't know. I wasn't expecting any of it. Obviously no one was, but um, like, it's, it's hard when you're not at your fullest and you're not, um, I think people have called it like filling your cup up anymore. You don't really have anything left to give your kids and they don't even know what's going on so you know it's been an emotional journey for sure like I don't know have I been parenting I'm not really sure a lot of days I don't feel like I've been actively participating in the act of parenting but um yeah we've made it through I think this the silver lining is just learning to enjoy each other's company more learning to like figure out our priorities and um I don't know puzzles (laughs) like those were cool (laughs) I forgot that I liked them so much (laughs) um another surprising thing is like how much my kid does not want to hang out with me anymore like he's so over me um He's excited to go and like hang out with other people, and yeah, that was shocking, but like I don't blame him because I feel the same way about him like we're we're we just need a break <laughs> from each other, but um yeah we've we've made it through, and it's still not over, but um, we've learned. Lot about each other and been able to talk more to each other, and yeah, I guess like just figuring out the resilience of us as a little family that's cool to know. Like, we made it through this, we can make it through a lot of other things too. So, yeah, um, but let's be done now, (laughs) please god damn it Allie you made us cry (laughs)
2: thank
0: you for sharing we put you on the spot very last minute and you gave us a beautiful
1: um recap of your shitty year I mean I I do want to say like Uh, I feel like in the beginning when I knew Leo was gonna be working home I at first was like felt very like I was like, this is my territory. Right. Like he goes to work and yeah. like whatever happens during the day belongs to me. And like I'm allowed to just do that yeah, out of the, yeah. per the per view of you. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say when Leo starts going back into his office, I'm gonna feel really sad. Like I'm I miss him. There is something nice the weathering this storm yeah. together. And like there's moments, like, stolen moments that Leo's had with the kids. That he never would have had. Yeah. With Colin, he spent way more time with him when a baby, when he did, when Cameron was a baby. And even with Cameron, like, just during the day. Yeah. He, comes down and he, like, sees him at lunch. Right. He, he, you know, pops in at breakfast time. Like, there's this time that.
0: he normally wouldn't get it. No. wouldn't even
1: really add it up over time. But, like, those little moments,
0: like you said, those little stolen moments are. Yes. Something we'll look back and fondly remember, I hope. And
1: And, like. You, I feel like I've made the right decision in a partner. Right. Like, this year really has been, like – Absolutely. 100%. The fact that, like I, – I know it was, like, joking. I'm only going to talk shit about Leo on this <laughs> podcast because he won't listen. But I can also say nice things about him, right? I mean, I think the fact that we've
0: made it through – I mean, I know. the divorce rate right now is, like, I super high. Having. And Ryan and I have barely – I mean, we've had bickers here and there, but uh, – I
1: mean, I'm a bickerson.
0: <laughs> we've had, like, I, hardly any, like, animosity that, this year. I don't know that we've
1: had any, like, big fights. Like, you no. know, Leo and I will fight over the dumbest shit.
0: My favorite fight you guys ever had. <laughs> Was over <laughs> punctuation. It was over punctuation. I was
1: right, by the way. <laughs> Leo was trying to say spelled the the storniolo's. Yes, like possessive. Yes, with a an apostrophe. It was. It was. Yes, s t o r n i o l o apostrophe s. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, it's s apostrophe either s apostrophe s or s apostrophe. It's appropriate either way. It's like it's a plural possessive. Me and Ryan
0: sat there and we're like I just know. looking at each other like, should we leave? <laughs> we got like a legit fight about that. <laughs> But wait, Allie said, <laughs> said something that resonated and she said, like, am I even parenting? And <sighs> I never thought about that until when she said that. Like, oh, wait,
1: that hit me like a fucking ton, ton of, of bricks. bricks. I'm Dude. like, shit,
0: like, am I actually no. instilling like any no. good parenting in them when I'm just know. like, I'm not filling my cup. I'm not getting
1: any breaks. I feel They're so fucking drained. all the
0: time. I'm just like getting through each moment. Yeah.
1: And we're I'm like, trying to get us all to the next day. It's days. just like
0: survival. And I'm yeah. like, shit, am I teaching them enough about like, I don't know, all the things you're supposed to teach a five and seven year old. Probably you not. Know? I don't think I am. And no,
1: I mean, some days I do. Some days I'm like, I'm fucking killing this game. <laughs> Truly, there are days where I feel that way. Like I feel like I don't know. Like I got good sleep the night before, or yeah, nobody touched me too much, or something.
0: I don't. <laughs> I know. I definitely have had like my shining moments where I'm like, yeah. But yes, there are days where you're going to be literally okay, like, but other put days the I'm fucking
1: like, TV on in the yes, basement, and don't even look. Don't just, put your eyeballs on me because I can feel them touching me. I
0: told Ben to stop looking at me yes. the other day because he just was looking at me too yes. much,
1: and I was like, dude, this is
0: where we're at. I'm just like, that's not a
1: good parenting no. move. No, and but then, I guess. And then later you go and you feel like a horrible monster person. I know.
0: I know I think that it's just so true like if you're not having that time away from them it's like hard to yeah. be with them so much. But, it is. I mean
1: yeah. Distance I, tr- I I tr- told Cameron and Ben the other day distance makes the heart grow fonder. I was like do you know what that means? <laughs> They're like no. Ben did Ben was like oh when you're away from people for a while. Yeah.
0: Well but- I think that so much like you know employers have lowered their expectations. You know us as You know, I've lowered my expectations of what I expect from Ben in first grade. Like, I think in so many aspects of the pandemic, people have lowered their expectations. But for parents of young kids who are at home, things have only gotten harder for us. Yeah, and things have not been made easier. You know, like there's not, and there's no really way to make it easier. You know, like how
1: there's no solution.
0: There's no solution. Like there's just no good solution. It's just
1: like limping through the day. We're just getting
0: through it. And so yeah, when and (laughs) Allie said. Fuck yeah, puzzles, man. <laughs> we moved a table into our kitchen in the beginning of it yes. and we had a bunch of puzzles we were doing and we would all take turns like at the puzzle table. So, yeah, I mean, I guess there are times where, you know, that was fun, but yeah, this actually, time- it is.
1: I'm glad we asked people to sort of tell us I what know. their happy moments are because it is actually, you're like, oh, there are things we can take away from this. It doesn't have to be just like this unrelenting dread.
0: <laughs> I mean,
1: in some ways, yes, but
0: I think that as. As human beings, as being resilient, as being yeah. you know, and somewhat an optimistic you know creature, it's good to kind of be like, well, what have I gained from this
1: horrible experience? And I think that that was yeah, it was really powerful to hear I, all that. I do think that a lot of my bonds have strengthened,
0: hundred percent. Like
1: the you like this sense of community that yes. you're like, oh, I need to rely on these people. Like I am not an island unto myself. Yes. I need other people in my life. And whatever that looks like, like whether that looks like FaceTime with my parents, every breakfast and dinner. Mm-hmm, so Cameron yeah. has a cute interaction or like that looks like group texting people yeah. uh, while we're uh, plowing TV. through America <laughs> 6, that model. <laughs> Yes. Or that looks like meeting at the playground and over standing. masks. Or like the, the willow tree that fell in the I park. R.I.P. Willow tree. Know. You know, there was early so pandemic days. Early pandemic when, pandemic we really when were... parks were
0: closed. Like there was nowhere to yes. go, and that tree fell, and we would just all go sit in the shade of this tree. It was
1: what? It wasn't it you who said it was like a whale that died at the yes. bottom of the ocean, and it was like all these little like <laughs> the
0: little parasites of children yes. would come, and it was like a nature's little yes. playground. Like this huge tree fell in the park yes. from a windstorm. Really bad, I think it was like bad storm and rain and stuff. It yeah. it was a willow tree and the kids I mean we went there for months
1: until they yes. finally that was like the only that was before now I feel like we figured out like how to be at a playground and feel okay right. about Once it they opened that was like I was like you're not going over there with all yeah. those fucking people we never
0: were we'd never let the kids play on no. the
1: playground at that point and there was we would to walk them past a the playground and be like don't even think about yeah, it we were
0: like we're gonna go to the tree
1: and we would get like the group yeah. text in the morning and be like tree question yes. mark yes we would all go oh wow. man I want to say I want to say thank you so much Yes, thank you to Laura. Thank you to my mom. Thank you to your mom. Thank you to Allie. Thank you, Allie, for sending us yes. your experiences. We really, truly appreciate it. Thank and you for helping us cry. Yes. It feels very cathartic. I actually feel a little better getting some of that feel out. a lot better. Yeah, so, I
0: feel like we've been through a lot just now. Take a little. <sighs> Let's take a breath. All okay. right,
1: back for a little fact jacks so said to end it. this bitch. <laughs>
0: Are you ready for the fact check?
1: I am. You know, I love a fact check. I, we were adding fact checks mid episode.
0: Um, okay. So do orgasms help with conception? Do they? No,
1: oh. we were wrong. Well, they help me have sex. Which helps me <laughs>
0: you, so there does not yet exist an actual study directly tying female orgasm to conception. I mean, I
1: I would be, well, I guess I'm done, but I would be a (laughs) (laughs) study
4: participant.
0: There is a theory that the female orgasm was once important to conception. In early humans, it is thought that female orgasms triggered ovulation. This is how it is in other mammals. And it is thought this could have been the case for early humans also. Oh. And And we have since evolved to ovulate without orgasm. Okay. Interesting. Yes. Like I learned this week that cats only ovulate (laughs) if they have arousal. Didn't <laughs> know cats or cats? didn't either. And wish I didn't know still. <laughs> You'd look looking at cats kind of different. Right? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, cat, hey, cat. A cat with kittens. I'm like, okay, girl, get it. <laughs> Listen, live your best life, queen. <laughs> you do, you boo. Um, I guess last week we asked how many families are using IVF. Oh, did we? No. Didn't we? No. Okay. Well, I still looked it up. Do you want to know? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> um, so basically- I think we said how many people are, I don't know. okay, well, what I thought we asked. Okay. Anyway, um, so based on the CDC's 2018 Fertility Clinic Success Rates report, there were 306,197 ART, which is Assisted Reproductive Technology
1: Cycles, oh. performed. Okay. Um, I guess and- that's on, that. that's not individual people, that's...
0: Yeah, I guess this is the amount of people, but a large amount of that was just people who were just doing it to retrieve eggs and to, like, freeze their eggs for future. Like, they would yes. get the embryos and yeah, be yeah, like, yeah, okay, yeah. we'll not get pregnant later. Yeah. So, um, of the live births that resulted was only 155,000. I mean, that's still a lot. Yeah, it's still a lot.
1: That's 155,000 people that wouldn't have had
0: their yeah. own biological children otherwise. Exactly. But it pretty much ended up being, like, that also 100 – there was something, like, um, about – yeah, like there was the same amount of people were just doing it to like save their eggs, save their embryos for a later. I mean, date. I'm sure
1: there's some people who are doing it for medical reasons. Right. Some people are doing it for age reasons. Yes, yeah,
0: which I, I never had. Con- I mean, clearly I would have
1: thought of that, but I mean, if you had like cancer treatments, right. you probably probably yeah, like exactly. They're like do yeah, it. do your embryos yeah. now exactly.
0: The
1: yes. thing I want to talk about IVF. Yes,
0: yeah, so the LGBTQ community we wanted to
1: yeah we didn't really discuss a little We bit. talked about it more on sort of like an infertility rather than like. One of the also miracles of yeah. IVF is fam- families that n- could not naturally get each other pregnant yeah. can have children, their yeah. own biological children, right? In some form, whatever that looks like, and, and gets to choose that family that they're creating right. in whatever way they want. Before IVF, it was really just adoption. yeah, Or just. Or you could do artificial insemination, like if you knew somebody.
0: Yeah, you could use donor sperm.
1: But I mean, we have, I have friends who did IVF on one partner and then the other partner carried was the gestational carrier for that baby right. so it was sort of Kekora did it too. Her and her wife. Yeah. They both, they did it like swapped, carried, yes, they each, each, other's, carried each other's babies, uh, biological children.
0: But I'm like, that is so that beautiful. Is such a beautiful, blinking. Like, yes. You're where, like, like,
1: you're the carrier. And you're both creating this yeah. baby. So, like, this is your biological DNA that is the egg. Right. right. But this is my body that nourished and grew this yeah, child. It is such a gift. And gave birth to this child. Yeah. So, this is, even though, like, there is not a way yet, and hopefully there will be a way at some point in the future for people who have the same
0: same contribution organs
1: yeah <laughs> to have their own together biological but like then that's really it's like yeah. the best way to make your own child right it's pretty fucking
0: cool i think it is that's really pretty amazing cool. i'm glad you brought
1: that up because we didn't mention it last week but i mean it's
0: it's when, I was in, it's when you listen door. back
1: you're like okay yeah
0: it's really open the door for families where yeah, that wasn't an option before totally yeah
1: well now we can go to life expectancy our yes. mid our mid uh <laughs> yeah
0: you threw some facts at me halfway through so the life expectancy in 1917, was 48 years old for men. For men, and in 1918, it went down to 36 years old.
1: That's fucking bananas. Between the war, between and, the war and the flu, yeah, <laughs> and just like general unhealthiness, I guess, and yeah, then, or you know, dying from diseases that are preventable. <laughs> All now. The things, yeah. That's, I mean, in one year that it went down. I mean, that would be basically like my age now. I'd be dead. <laughs> I'd, I would be dead.
0: <laughs> R.I.P. Me. <laughs> yep,
1: um, I would have been. One year over life <laughs> expectancy for men. An old ass. So, wow. And then wait, there's one more oh, thing. Wait. Did I have you write yes. it down? anticipatory nostalgia. So, I was trying to find a word for it. I yes. know that, you know, this is like Buzzfeed, Buzzfeed lists yes. like words in other languages <laughs> that exist. But really, like what I found we were describing was this sense of missing something before it's gone. Yeah.
0: I feel like I've tried to instill a little bit of that in my brain because I know that this is such a unique time. And yeah. I've said it to my kids before, like, we're having really happy moments. I'm like, remember this when you think back to this yes. time.
1: You know, don't you ever, like, there's sometimes, especially, like, when the kids are so young, like, there's sometimes they hold them close to my body, and I'm like, mm. like, they're going to be with me, hopefully, for the rest of my natural life. Mm-hmm. But they're going to grow up, and they're going to leave me, and they're not going to, yeah. like, they're not going to be laying on my chest letting me, like... I know on them yeah so there's sometimes I just like hold them physically against me and I try to like basically like imprint, imprint as it. hard as I can the way that their body feels yeah. the way that their little like Colin likes to twiddle inside my ear yeah you know like those things where I'm just like I, I want- live
0: in this moment yes and appreciate it yes. because it'll be gone before you know it I can't we cannot end
1: with tears, so goodbye.
0: <laughs> we will see you next season. We will see you next season. Thank you for listening. Yes. we love you, grannies. Yes, you,
1: you old grannies. You old <laughs>
0: grannies. Come on back for the next season. We
1: will We will bombard you on Instagram about it. Don't worry about <laughs> we it. We love
0: you. Bye. Bye.
1: Okay, go. Say it.
2: Your grandparents... Um, what does it say? Did what? Did
1: what? Your grandparents did what?
2: Your grandparents did what?